Jesse Smollett is going to jail. He was in the courtroom and he was ranting and he was saying, I'm not crazy, institution, you're the one. No, uh, what actually happened was he was sentenced to 150 days in jail, 30 months of probation, and then he yelled out that he's not suicidal and that he didn't do it. And now everyone's making a meme about it. So uh, Juicy Smollett will be in jail. We'll talk about that. We got a bunch of crazy news, man. Facebook's basically getting rid of their rules. Facebook says you're allowed to call for violence so long as it's against Russians wow. and Vladimir Putin. I'm I'm wondering if YouTube will allow that too. Cause then, you know what I'm gonna do? I'm gonna abuse that. I'm gonna, I'm gonna abuse it like crazy. I'm gonna be like, oh, I'm gonna say it. I'm gonna say it. I'm gonna say it. Okay, but until we get the, the, the go ahead from YouTube that we're, that the rules no longer apply so long as you're calling for the death of a Russian. Well, isn't it crazy? That's where we're at. We've also got, uh, uh the censorship getting absolutely insane. DuckDuckGo has announced they'll be censoring their search feed. No. Basically destroying their entire value proposition with a single tweet. Done with them. And then, here's where it gets crazy. The Hill got censored. Mm. That's, that's just absolutely nuts. So we'll talk about that. And joining us to actually uh, um, clarify as to what happened, why the hell got censored, is Kim Iverson. Hi. Thanks for having me. Yeah. So who are you? What do you do? <laughs> um, well, I'm Kim, and I'm on the Hills Rising. I also have my own YouTube channel and also on Rumble and Locals and all those other places and whatnot. So, But, yeah, we just um, – I'm here in the D.C. area because I, I came back – I was actually supposed to be here on Monday – um, to be in studio for the Hills Rising, which I've been hosting since last July, but because of COVID, we, I wasn't in the studio. The other two hosts were in the studio, Ryan Grimm and, um, Robbie Suave, and we've had a rotating cast of hosts this whole time, but they wanted me to come into the studio. Then we had to postpone the trip because suddenly we got the notification that the channel had been suspended. For reporting the news. For reporting the news. Seven wow. day suspension, no uploading of content, no live streaming. This is the Hill. This is a major news organization and the entire channel was suspended. And it was because what had happened was the channel a year ago had actually aired. Um, so we have rising on the channel, but then also the Hill just airs footage and there's no commentary. There's no host. It's not a podcast or anything like that. It's just raw footage, like C-SPAN style. And, uh, a year ago they aired raw footage from CPAC. And some of the, some of the speeches that were at, or at CPAC. And they got a strike for doing that. And then, um, being, being a news organization, the Hill said, you know, we're airing more CPAC. So they aired yeah. CPAC this year, raw footage again, did it again, thinking we're a news organization. We should be able to air footage from what would be newsworthy speeches. And then rising, um, did a segment about Trump talking on Laura Ingram's show. Um, talking about Vladimir Putin, how he's a genius. I don't know if you saw that clip. Yeah. yeah. And we, in that clip, he says something, you know, he, he says things. Says um, things about the election. That right. That we always, and we know he always says these. He makes the same claims over and over and over again, right? It's a Trump thing to do. And he made a claim. And the because the segment on Rising was about what he said about Vladimir Putin, and it was about Ukraine, no one on the panel, no one in the discussion immediately said that – Fake, you know, that is a uh, fact check and it popped in and, and immediately fact checked the claim, which is what you have to do according to YouTube's guidelines. Their election misinformation guidelines is you have to immediately in real time say that is not true. You know, what he's saying is fake news. Well, um, this nobody is the, did that. This is yeah. the current state of media, but it's okay. It's okay. If you're calling for the death of Russians, <laughs> yeah, then, huh. now Facebook says that's good. So we'll, we'll talk about that. I also and Twitter wanna, clearly must allow that as well. Yes. 
Well, I mean, they allowed it already. So, but uh, I also want to talk to you about you. You raised, you tweeted recently about voting straight ticket Republican. So we'll, <laughs> we'll get into all that. That was interesting. And uh, uh, but we'll get into it. We also have Seamus hanging out. I am here on the show tonight. Glad to be back. Uh, I run a YouTube channel called Freedom Tunes. For those of you who are uh, not familiar with me and my work, we just released a cartoon today about the genocide in Yemen that the United States government has been funding the Saudis. Uh, to carry out. So if you guys want to check that out, it's it's pretty informative and uh, engaging, and hopefully you'll learn a bit more about the conflict. Uh, and I'm Ian Crossland. And just before I forget, I'm looking for an open source uh, UX designer. If someone out there wants to get involved with our charity that we're setting up and uh, work on this project that me and Tim have been building for the last year uh, with a great team of developers, we're getting to the point where we have a lot of the back end done and we're going to start making the front end look beautiful. So if you want to con- connect with me, do it on Twitter or with mines and uh, I'll rope you in and I can talk more about that later. So hit me up. Right, I know got- a Russian that might be. Oh, yeah. no. I'm not <laughs> that. Yeah. Uh, all, all people are welcome. Yeah. And I'm also here in the corner pushing buttons. Very excited for tonight's conversation. Love Kim. Very smart input. I'm stoked. Pick that up today. But also don't forget, go to timcast.com, become a member. Support us directly. If you missed it, yesterday was my birthday. And if you still want to give me that birthday present, I accept. Go to TimCast.com, be a member, and uh, we really do appreciate it. You help keep our journalists employed. They're reporting every day. We have on-the-ground reporters as well, and we are expanding. You'll also get access to our exclusive members-only segments, which are going to have up tonight around 11 or so p.m., so you'll not want to miss that. But let's just get straight into that news. Smash the like button, subscribe to the channel, all that good stuff. Here it is, ladies and gentlemen, the moment you have all been waiting for. Jussie Smollett sentenced to 150 days in jail, oh my gosh. 30 months of probation. And here's the best part. Following the sentencing, he screamed, I am not suicidal Whoa. and I did not do it. What? He's also going to have to pay the city of Chicago $120,000 in restitution and was fined $25,000. So he's still <sighs> saying he's innocent. I think his life is basically over, but what well, is- he clearly thinks so too. Yeah. yeah. Otherwise he wouldn't have yelled out. I'm not suicidal. He thinks he's going to get. Epstein. Mm. I think you're going to be fine, Jesse. Uh, yeah, that's really sad. I don't is think he's the guy important. planning on like killing himself and making it seem like someone else did it? That's insane. Who would who would be trying to kill him? What kind of paranoia would lead him to think that anyone out there is trying to suicide him in prison? Now we're getting into crazy conspiracy territory yeah. because there was already crazy conspiracy theories mm-hmm. around his what he did because at the time those two uh, Nigerian Trump supporters attacked him, so he mm-hmm. claimed, and he still asserts his innocence. Uh, Kamala Harris was advocating for this uh, lynching bill, which I believe just passed, didn't it? Yeah, it did pass, yeah. Tim Scott helped, yeah. Yeah, a lot of people were like, isn't that weird that this thing happened to Smollett at the same time and he's friends with these people? Uh, Look, I think the guy was staging a hoax to bolster his career. Yes. Mm. You know, you don't need to draw a bigger conspiracy than that. You know what I mean? But for him to come out and scream he's not suicidal when the conspiracy was already that he was like colluding with Democrats to pass laws or whatever, which is – a bit absurd, uh, you know, in and of itself. Maybe he's playing that up. Yeah. Maybe he's trying to make people think that, you know, I don't know, there's a conspiracy against him or something. He strikes yeah. me as a really, really scared person. Yeah. To, you know, in yeah. general. So, yeah. yeah. He can also obviously just be completely insane. Mm, I don't yeah. know. But that's just a very bizarre response. Yeah. The, the dude's happening. clearly insane. Well, like, not, I mean, if you're going into pri- for one, it's scary to go to prison, right? Yeah, so, of course, yeah. he's extremely scared yeah, yeah, yeah. and he doesn't know what's going to happen to him. You worry about your safety when you're going to prison. Mm-hmm. But I don't know if it has to be some super big conspiracy of thinking, oh, the government's after me or it's somebody, mm-hmm. you know, and, that, and they're going to Epstein me in prison or something. <laughs> I mean, I think it could just be as simple as people are angry with him for staging a crime mm-hmm. when there's real racism in the world and he's now faking it in order to get attention. It, it upsets people. That's a good point. 
he might just go to jail and there might be some guy who's like, you have set us back, yeah. you know, how many years with yeah. civil rights yeah, and just true. be like, he's, he's not going to prison. He's going to jail. So if he's in Chicago, I think he might go to county over at like 26 in California. I think that's where it's at, which is really bad. He's not going to go away for that very long, though. 150, 150 days. days. He's going to be. He's going to be out. I mean, he's, how he's long though. do you think he's going to actually serve of 150 days? But of that that felony oh. charge, he can't travel anymore. I mean, it's going to be really difficult for him to travel internationally. So here's my understanding about Chicago. I don't know. I think they'll put him in Cook County Jail. I think it's at 26 in California. It's on the south side. My what I'm told from all the people who are down there, you're probably going to be fine. It's it's a pretty bad spot, but everyone's scared. Because when you're there in Illinois, you can only go to jail for just under one year, so 364 days. If you hit 365, they, tra- they you have to go to prison. Mm-hmm. So prison is a year or more. At least that's my understanding. I could be wrong about this. So for people who are at Cook County, just in jail, they're like, "Hey, man, I don't want any trouble, man. I'm going to get out." You know what I mean? Don't 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 screw around because they'll charge you with something and then push it longer and then send you to like Joliet or something like that. I think he's going to be fine. I think he's going to go to jail and he's going to complain about it. Him screaming he's not suicidal to me sounds more like a spoiled rich guy yeah. who doesn't know what real hardship is and he's yeah. probably freaking out like, Oh man, oh they're gonna kill me in prison. Oh. Yeah, that that's fair. That's probably more yeah. I was looking at some of the here, here, quotes here. from the judge. One is your very name has become an adverb for lying. You were throwing a national pity party for yourself. Yikes. I, I didn't listen to it yet, but this is uh oh, he's, well, he's not wrong. No. Well here's no. my question, you guys. Hundred and fifty days in jail. Too long. No. Just, just too long. No, not for a federal crime like this. The guy... I don't he, think it was he, federal, was it? Really? It, it was just like... to you mean state, felony? A felony, a felony. It was a felony. It was a, that's a difference. That's, okay. Federal yeah. is like when you cross state lines and do it. Oh, okay. Yeah. No, no, not it's federal. Fe- it, was, it was multiple felonies. It was definitely yeah, felonious. Like I mean, I don't care who you are. At some point... Well, I guess if you're the president, it's not illegal. But at some point... Because copycats will come along and do what he did if they don't punish the guy. I don't, there's gotta be another way to punish them than just jail. I mean, I know we're a society that just really loves to incarcerate people, but I just think that there's maybe another way. I mean, this guy's not a danger to anyone. And we have overcrowding in prisons. We, we incarcerate everybody for everything. And I just think certain crimes, when you're not an actual danger, I mean, I'm not afraid of this guy. If I cross him in the street, what is he gonna do to me? Nothing. What is he gonna do to you? I mean, I understand, I think he should pay for what he's done. But I think there's maybe another way to do it than to just incarcerate. Yeah, he's not physically violent, a physical violent threat, but his mind is dangerous because he got cops to waste their time and take them away from people that could have needed their help. Totally. exactly. And I mean, as a rich celebrity paying a fine, is it necessarily going to be the worst thing in the world for him? This is someone who literally just smeared half of the country by insinuating that because they were Trump supporters, they wanted to hurt him and that it's a fact that there are just these roving Trump supporters going around the country in Democrat-run cities like Chicago. Chicago trying to lynch people at two in the morning. So, so how about he gets sentenced to, uh, attending every Trump rally? Right. Something like (laughs) Or like public shaming like they do in China. (laughs) Here's the thing that would provide him with so many opportunities to come up with fake hate crime stories and the Democrats would believe every single one. They'd be like, just because he lied once doesn't mean these other ones aren't true. There's got to be something else though. I I agree with you. Re-education camps. For some reason I was watching 60 Days In last night, this reality show I'd never heard of until last night about people going undercover into prison. And I was like, it's, it's real. It's like, finally, I've never been in prison and I, I didn't really understand what it is until last night i'm starting to get an idea of how 
stuck together all these people are in the higher immediately you get in and it's like just gang warfare basically yeah. oh yeah for i don't sure. think yeah. it's good for people like jesse it doesn't make sense no and there's other ways to punish people other than right now it is just prison or fines i mean I'm, I'm saying there are other ways and there's other countries that have figured out other ways and then we would just have to have a discussion on how moral they are well, yeah. what, is there what, anything that particularly you'd recommend? well like china literally just did a public shaming event where they mm. made the people they marched them down the street and they had to wear signs and there was a parade of people looking at them, and the sign, you know, said what they had done, and there was... Yeah, but <laughs> so here's the thing, session. yeah, well... But we, I'm, we I'm not saying that's exactly what we would do, in, but we would have some discussion on what would be the ethical or moral thing to do that doesn't involve necessarily prison or a fine, you know, get out of jail free card, or get out of a jail... Seventeen mm-hmm. years of hard labor and uh, would, breaking rocks. Well, I mean, in the United States, we have a much more uh, humane method of public humiliation, where we take people who are never given a trial, and then our media just smears them uh-huh, for arguing yeah. against the narrative. That's great. Well, that's what they argued. Yeah, like yeah. his defense attorney said that he's already had his reputation yeah. and life destroyed. Yeah. He, he, he suffered exactly. Enough. And of course, I'm not trying to make light of of China or their tactics for punishment, but Jesse Smollett has clearly been publicly. Publicly at, humiliated. At the end of this thing, he yells out, I didn't do it. Yeah. yeah. Like, come on. That's I, also he did true. it. No, though, that's, that's a very good point. He hasn't accepted responsibility for the crime yet. It's hard to be sympathetic to him. Right. Yeah. He should go to jail until he admits that he did it. Oh my gosh. <laughs> now we're talking. I'm communists. absolutely joking about all, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Wow. All you got to do is say you did it and you can go home. Yeah, that's fine. I did it. Oh, you're going to prison now. You confessed. Oh. You know, the thing about jail, I think they're completely broken. Mm-hmm. Sending, you know, you get these young men. They'll go to prison for some petty crime or some like some relatively minor offense, but enough to warrant prison. And then they come out hardened. They come out mm-hmm. just mixing all of these people who are of a criminal element. So I don't know what the answer is, but I think the reason we just do prison and fines is because we have a, we, we, you're not allowed to engage. The U.S. cannot engage in cruel and unusual punishment. So unusual simply means out of the ordinary. We need to have a set system where it's like everybody has to be you know abide by the same kind of punishment. The problem, I suppose, is we've grown to view prison as punishment or retribution instead of rehabilitation. People want justice, and to most people, they want you to suffer. Mm-hmm. And that's a problem. You know, there's a video I watched. It's crazy. This guy murders this young girl. He's in court, and he's sitting there, and all, he's like a serial killer. And this was like a viral video on Reddit. And all of these people are yelling at him like, you're a monster and what you've done. And he's just stone faced the whole time. And then finally, like this guy comes up and he's like, I forgive you for what you've done. Wow. And then the murderer just starts bawling and crying and freaking out. Mm-hmm. And it's like, man, may- maybe, maybe we need to, uh, we need to reassess as a society what our goals are with people who break the law. So I hear what you're saying, and I place a lot of emphasis and value on forgiveness as a Christian. I think it's unbelievably important. But we also can't engage in a kind of false mercy, which refuses to punish crime, because then what happens is more people commit crimes against innocent victims, and there's more human suffering generated overall. I don't know if that's true. I think it is, yeah. If there are no criminal punishments for for crimes, of course, people are going to be more likely to commit crimes, and you're going to have more innocent victims who are harmed. I mean, I I agree that you have to have punishment for a crime, but I don't know if saying, well, we're going to punish... You know, we, we're going to criminalize. Mm-hmm. The more we criminalize, then something will be, you'll be deterred from doing it because we've criminalized it. I mean, we've seen evidence of that not being the case. It depends. I mean, look, I know a lot of people who are afraid to go to any kind of protest event because of the way the United States government has come down on people for the January 6th events, even though they hadn't even done anything violent. So people are afraid of prison time, including people who aren't doing anything wrong or planning on doing anything wrong. I think they start off that way. I agree. I think that there is a chilling effect at first, but then people start to relax a little bit and they figure out ways, workarounds. 
and then they start doing those workarounds. I think it can happen. Again, I mean, I would argue that prison time or the potential for prison time is a pretty strong incentive against committing a crime. I also agree with you that it's not perfect. And it's a very complicated system because the United States does have a very large share of prisoners compared to other countries. I don't exactly know what the solution to that problem is, but I I do think punishment is not necessarily a bad thing. I got it. Yes. (laughs) Compromise between the left and the right. We abolish prisons and prison sentences and... We abolish the ATF and all gun laws. Oh. There you go. <laughs> Problem <laughs> solved. No, no deal. No deal. No. All the criminals can leave, and I can walk around New York City armed. Well, and that, that's, an, that's, no a, that's a compromise. Right? Well, I, and I will say this about the prison system. One unbelievably massive glaring problem is the how rampant sexual assault is behind bars in many yeah. places and how that isn't really something that's sorted out. And I think there's a good argument to be made that knowing that someone is likely to be sexually assaulted in prison and then sending them, sending them there could be uh, argued to be a cruel and unusual punishment. Well, it's not exactly the same because you're not guaranteed it's going to happen. But oh, most people are afraid of going to prison yeah. for that specific reason. But I don't know if we've ever cared about cruel and unusual punishment when it comes to prisons. I mean, for goodness sakes, we electrocuted people for a long time. Yeah. Do you know how barbaric that sounds? Mm-hmm. I mean, just looking back, who was the guy that thought... Well, but to kill him though, right? Well, it's, yeah. So that that's in that we thought for whatever reason that that was a good idea, a humane idea, a moral or ethical idea to electrocute a person to death. Well, look, look I mean, there at, are other ways to kill a person. Look at lethal injection, right? What's what's the idea behind lethal injection? It's humane. There, I was reading one study that said lethal injection, and maybe this is wrong. So, you know, I'm not an expert on this. The, they give you three injections, I'm pretty sure, three different drugs. The first one paralyzes you right. because the next one's excruciatingly painful and they don't want huh. you to be able to show it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So still, you know, are, no, there, any, are there any states that allow firing squad? There should be. Utah. Utah, Utah does firing squad. Yeah. Yeah. I'm opposed to the death penalty outright 100%. So I don't, you know, think any that we should be killing people at all. But, you know. Yeah, part great. of this conversation is like punishing cr- crime. I kind of agree. But then who decides what's legal and what's not legal? That's the danger. The legislative bodies of America. Yeah, or the executive order or something like that. And they're like, now walking on the left side of the street is illegal. And if you did it yesterday, you're, you're retroactively guilty. Can well, you let's not let's... give them ideas, please. No, no, no. This, <laughs> this, 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 crazy. This, this, so, like, this is an well, excellent, I don't uh, hate hold on. Crime. This, this yeah. is an excellent I, I segue. like evil. Yes, this is an excellent segue into this other story. We, we were initially going to lead with this one. Then yeah. the juicy Smollier stuff broke, but check this out. Reuters says Facebook temporarily allows posts on Ukraine war calling for violence against invading Russians or Putin's death. What? That to me is absolutely amazing. They say meta platforms will allow Facebook and Instagram users in some countries to call for violence against Russian and Russian soldiers, Russians and Russian soldiers, civilians and soldiers. Yeah. Holy moly. In the context of the Ukraine invasion. What does that mean? What does that mean? Does that mean you can be like. I just plain don't like the invasion and then say just kill civilians or something. Like That's every it. Russian should pay. Jeez. Yes. Right. Yep. Until, until when, you know, and that, the thing that I don't understand about all of these sanctions and even just these ideas that you've got to take it out on Russians. And I even saw this video that was circulating of this group in Canada that was um, painting. They were, they were um, vandalizing a Russian community center. You know, with, right. and they were painting all over it blue and yellow. And it's just, okay, if, if we in the West continue to assert and believe that Vladimir Putin is a dictator and that he isn't, that they don't live in a democracy, 
then why would we take anything out on the people? What what purpose is that? Because Agreed. you'd only do it's, that if you think the people are then going to turn around and pressure their government or you're punishing them for voting that government in like they were a democracy and look at the bad choice you people made. Right. But if you don't believe it's a democracy, then what are you doing? Well, so the reason I think this was an excellent segue from the previous uh, uh, segment, Ian was talking about how there could be an executive decree like, okay, now this thing is, is, is not allowed anymore. In this instance, we're seeing what happen, happens when we end up in corporatocracy, where our social discussions, our society is being ruled by technocrats in Silicon Valley who change the rules on a whim. Mark They'll, Zuckerberg, apparently. Mark Zuckerberg, <laughs> apparently. They'll say, you can't do these things that are against the rule. And then when they want to enact massive societal change, they'll come out and be like, you are now allowed, peasants. Do as we say. Yeah. That's oh, creepy. And call, that's, yeah, well, I see. Calling for violence against invading Russians. That's so not what it not, says. No, 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 no. Russians and Russian soldiers in the context of Ukraine invasion. What so that means. frame it that way. It depends on what it means. So we're, we'll have to see the exact policy. They say as a result of the Russian invasion yeah. of Ukraine, we have temporarily made allowances for some for forms of political expression that would normally violate our rules like violent speech, such as, quote, death to Russian invaders. We still won't allow credible calls for violence against Russian civilians. Okay, that's an important distinction. Except who's a Russian invader? Right. The Russian military. What about a guy who's like in uh, Vladivostok who's like chilling on a boat? So yeah, now, like, or the, the guy making the steel, like in in the middle of the country, that is getting shipped to make the tanks. You know, he's part of the war machine now, even though he's a civilian. But yeah. they're pretty clear that they don't want to target civilians. But again, the the, the definition of a civilian is where it gets yeah. really muddy, and that's what's going on even with the war. You know, when they're talking about oh, these civilians are being killed in Ukraine, and it's like, well, okay, but what do you classify? Who do you classify as a civilian when they're conscripting everybody, giving them a gun, telling them to fight? So if every male 18 to 60 years old is given a weapon and told to go fight, now his civilian is no longer. But I think they might be counting them as civilians. No, no, for sure. I agree. But you'd you'd have to call them militia. You'd have to say like, you know, Russians kill 12 militia. They're not doing that because it's all a big propaganda machine. Sure. This, this, This stuff scares me because it sounds, some people would argue it's reasonable. Oh, but we're talking about war and violence. And I'm like, I don't care. You know, we have two problems here. One, I don't think you should be calling for the death of people. I think you can say, we're being invaded and I will defend myself and defend my country. That I understand. But to be like, I am calling for the death of this group or whatever. The other issue is that the the rules of our society and what ideas are allowed are being dictated by technocrats who are unelected. Now, that's a scary prospect. You want to claim Vladimir Putin is bad because he's a dictator? I'll be like, sure. What about our, our society being dominated by Facebook and Google? How much industry is digital now? How many people have jobs that are based on YouTube or Facebook or or Twitter or whatever? And these companies, but my private platforms, they can just eliminate you from your your entire job, gone in an instant because they decided it. But do you think they're the ones deciding or do you think the politicians are pressuring them? Because then it really does become a First Amendment issue when if they're making policy decisions based on the pressure they're getting from politicians because they're afraid of regulation – I think it's both. Yeah, that was my thought too. Both. It just seems like from a platform perspective, you'd want no regulation whatsoever. You'd want just people to say whatever and you wouldn't care because that brings more people to your platform. Yeah, so, so my biggest question is who would be wanting to make it so that you can say this about Russia? Well, well, hold on. Yeah. We have an update. We have, we have news. The, the temporary policy changes on calls to violence, calls for violence to Russian soldiers applies to Armenia, Azerbaijan, Estonia, Georgia, Hungary, Latvia, Lithuania, Poland, Romania, Russia, Slova- Russia, Slovakia, and Ukraine, according to one email. That means 
If you're a Russian citizen in Russia, you can be calling for the death of your own military. If you are Polish, NATO country, or Lithuania, or Latvia, or Estonia, you can call for death. It's very, very weird. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Zuckerberg for sure wants Ukraine to win the war. I mean, he's bought into the propaganda. He's an ideologue. Yeah, I don't think it's Zuckerberg personally. He owns like 60% of the company. He makes all the decisions. Didn't we have the Biden administration actively pressuring social media companies to remove vaccine misinformation? We know that the United States government is above doing this kind of thing. However, I will say to your point asking about uh, whether Zuckerberg could have any motivation to avoid regulation, it's interesting because Facebook has actually been pushing for certain regulations surrounding speech codes online, I think it might actually be advantageous for them in some ways, depending upon what the legislation is, because then people aren't angry with them as a comp for as a company when they ban people and they won't be likely to go to competitors. They'll just see it as a large overarching thing. And then those regulations that Facebook loves to place in its terms of service become policy for the entire country. So small people who might compete with Facebook by having a more free speech platform won't be able to do so. Or they're just trying to get into the China market. That's possible as well. Absolutely. I actually think that's really what's going on with Google, Twitter, and Facebook is they're trying to get into the China market. And they were banned back in 2011. China said, you can't come into our country because you're not willing to censor. And their response was, we're an American company. We have American values. We don't censor. And Mm. now that's obviously changed. Yeah. Mm. Censorship. It's here, man. It's coming. Yeah, yeah. DuckDuckGo Duck, announced it. We'll get into that in a little bit. Yes. They just destroyed themselves. Why would I use DuckDuckGo yeah. Duck, Duck, ever again after this? What's the better it's, search engine? I don't know. Brave. Brave yeah. has their own search engine. Brave is a browser. Oh, it does? Someone tweeted that. But, you know, I want to, we'll save a little bit focused on on this because there's another bit of news related to this. We talked about it with Magic Nuaz. Facebook previously allowed you to praise one Nazi group, the Azov Battalion. So if you were if if you were actively pla- praising Nazis on Facebook, so long it was the Ukrainian soldiers, that was allowed. Isn't that crazy? To. You can't praise the swa. They don't. They're afraid of the swastika, but not Nazism. Just the swastika. No, 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 no. Although it's, they have a swastika, it's like that diagonal one. Yeah, and it's, it's like it's half a, a swastika mm-hmm. with the Azov Battalion. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, but, but Facebook is like, okay, this time it's fine. That's so crazy. That's crazy. The enemy all of my of enemy people, is my friend. All of these people putting the, the Ukrainian flags in their profiles, who just last month were like. We got to fight the fascists are now like, well, these fascists are magic crazy. When Nawaz was here, he pointed out that what's happening is people from around the world are going to join Azov to fight. And then they're becoming radicalized and learning how to fight with a terrorist group. And then they're going going to go home radicalized and create their own little pockets of Azov or Nazism or whatever. That's his fear. He's, I, I guess he's seen it before. I mean, it's not uncommon. It's an interesting saw it with point, ISIS yeah. too. Well, we already saw this sort of, you know, this is just another proxy war that we're having with Russia right now in Ukraine. And it actually mimics a lot what we did in, um, you know, this is the new Afghanistan. Get out of one war to start another, you know, <laughs> just got to replace the Afghanistan war. And this is very similar to what happened in Afghanistan in the 80s. Because what the U.S. government was doing, the Carter administration started it and then it continued on with Reagan was – was funding the Mujahideen. Yep. And that they were fighting the Russians because the Russians were with the, with the, at the time, the Afghan government brought in the Russian military to fight and the Mujahideen was fighting against the Russians. We armed the Mujahideen. We trained them. We didn't go in. We didn't fight the Russians specifically. We let them do it and they were battling their own country. They were trying to get their own country back 
from the Soviets, right? Freedom fighters. And we boasted that we had given Russia their own Vietnam by entangling them. Yes, because it was well understood that the Vietnam War was horrible for America, both in terms of foreign policy and domestic policy, right? Because this country started to fall apart and there was a lot of cultural turmoil as a result. And so we said if we could give one of those to Russia, it would sure help hasten the collapse of the USSR. Keep in mind when you when terrorists work for your country, they're called freedom fighters. That's well, and we saw what happens to the Mujahideen. Al Qaeda evolves from them and we go over there and fight them. What are you guys saying that the Azov had been like killing Russians for tens of thousands of Russians over the last five or eight years or something? Was it like fourteen thousand? Well, fourteen thousand people have have been killed in the Dunbar in the civil war between the separatists and the Donbas region and um, and the government. Because you know, there's an area of Ukraine that has been controlled by these separatists since 2014. And during the civil war conflict, which you know we call in the West, we say that they are Russian backed um, freedom, you know, Russian backed separatists. Really, they're Ukrainians fighting Ukrainians in a civil war. And there's been 14,000 fatalities there. But a lot of them have been this battalion and these sort of um, very, you know, Nazi. I mean, really, there's no way to say it other than, I mean, these are not like far right. These are actual Nazis. Um, and they have been doing a lot of that, doing a lot of this battle. But, you know, Hillary Clinton even came out like to a week and a half ago. I think and she was giggling about... Well, you saw how it worked out in uh, Afghanistan huh. for mm-hmm. the Soviets when, you know, you saw how well that happened because they ultimately had to back out of yeah, that, And then what happened was, was afterward. That, that was in the 80s that. in the and mountains. That, now we're talking about flatland in 2020. Well, so but it's, it's a still a different. similar thing. We're arming a group. We're giving yes. them a bunch of weapons. This group ideologically is is very, you know, it, it is they're not aligned with really democratic values, Western values, fundamentally. But we're still saying, oh, but you're our friends now because you're fighting our enemy. And that's exactly what happened in the Mujahideen in Afghanistan. And that did not turn out well. Ultimately, we ended up in a war in Afghanistan that we could not win. And we've been in the Middle East this entire time. And so to your point with... We're, you know, then they're recruiting all of these fighters that are coming in from every other European country, and they're very far right radical people that are going to fight alongside these battalions. And yeah, we're arming them, helping them out, and who knows what that will reel into 20 years from now. I mean, how long did it take for the Mujahideen to turn into Al Qaeda? And then, you know, all, and Taliban. It could very well happen that Ukraine is split. The East goes to the Russia, the West goes to Azov, and we've got a Nazi country, basically. That's, I that's, I think, exactly what's going to happen. I don't you, know you if it'll go to them specifically. No, yeah, yeah. I think the West will go to NATO, EU. Right. But they'll have then, the, those, the battalion in there. I mean, they'll pretty, be part well, of. Well, I don't, I don't, I don't know. You know, I, I think when you look at ISIS, it's, it, I'll just say this, my opinion. The West clearly wanted ISIS to function because it was destabilizing Syria. The U.S. wanted Syria to, they wanted the Assad regime to fall so that the U.S. could get their pipeline up to displace the Russian gas monopoly. So ISIS is there and it's like, oh no, oh, we can't stop ISIS. Oh, geez. And then Trump comes in and he's like, flatten them, wipes ISIS out. That's actually a problem for the West, for, you know, NATO, the U.S. and the CIA, because then what's going to cause Syria to fall? Yeah, Azov. They need another boogeyman. So if the U.S. gets, so right now, the U.S. has uh, Azov. If Russia takes Ukraine, then all of a sudden you might see this rampant 
destructive Nazi battalion. And the U.S. will be like, oh, this is so, oh, it's so bad. And somehow they'll end up with U.S. trucks and vehicles yeah. and weapons. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, what? oh, we have to fight that rebel group that we funded a while ago. That's so crazy. That's we never happened before. We have to fight before. the Nazis. Oh my I think you, ever, my... you ever see the ISIS, the video of the ISIS guys in the truck and it's got like Jim's plumbing from Detroit, yeah. Michigan on the side yeah. of it or something? <laughs> I think People my are like, favorite... how that truck get there? There were pictures from Syria that came out that had a kid wearing one of my high school's gym shirts on it because someone had donated oh, their gym shirts and other clothing to some other organization and it ended up in their hands. So there was like, let's, let's, let's talk about surreal. Let's talk about how, uh, where the censorship is going. We got the story on DuckDuckGo. This is, uh, Gabriel Weinberg, who is the CEO and founder of DuckDuckGo. He tweeted, like so many others, I am sickened by Russia's invasion. So I've decided to completely and totally destroy my company. No one should ever use it again. It's a garbage. I'm just kidding. He didn't say that. What he actually <laughs> he might kind as well have. He kind of exactly. <laughs> he said, like so many others, I am sickened by Russia's invasion of Ukraine and that gigantic humanitarian crisis can, it, it continues to create. At DuckDuckGo, we've been rolling out search updates to downrank sites associated with Russian disinformation. Yeah, this all makes sense now. In, a, in addition to downranking sites associated with this information, we also often place news modules and information box at the top of DuckDuckGo search results. DuckDuckGo's mission is to make simple privacy protection. <laughs> yeah, no, that's not your value proposition, uh, dudes. So I have a question for you, Gabriel. Um, who determines what's Russian disinformation? Who determines what's true? And do you have, like, who at, 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 uh, DuckDuckGo is the, the arbiter of truth and, and morality? So I can better understand what sites you've decided to downrank. DuckDuckGo is completely worthless at this point. I don't see yeah. why anybody would use them. And they are because these last, you know, now this is making sense to me because as I've been trying to do some research about the conflict that's going on and trying to get truth because we know it's a big propaganda problem. Um, I've been going from Google to DuckDuckGo and getting the exact same search results mm. and being very frustrated by it yeah. because I rely on DuckDuckGo to give me, you know, uh, search results that are different from different sites than the ones that Google just gives me. Yeah, absolutely. No, I mean, for a very long time, DuckDuckGo was far superior to Google. When I do work with the Foundation for Economic Education to create these educational cartoons, we'll usually have people at their organization who will do some research for us if, if I don't have the time to dive into all of it. And there was a topic that we needed to dive into, and I can't remember exactly what it was, but the fellow who was doing research kept saying, I can't really find anything about this on Google. And he'd been searching for hours. And I said, oh, just try DuckDuckGo. And within 15 minutes, he had like 10 links mm -hmm. with a lot of really great information in them. And it's just sad that that resource isn't really a reliable one take, anymore. Take a look at this tweet right here. DuckDuckGo tweeted on April 6, 2019, quote, when you search, you expect unbiased results, but that's not what you get on Google. And that is a quote from that same guy, Gabriel Weinberg. What is, who is wrong now, with this guy? He's <laughs> now like, privacy is the reason people use DuckDuckGo. No. No, people use DuckDuckGo because they know Google is censoring information. Yeah. All right. Well, there's the Brave search. People are highlighting Brave is available. So everybody switch on over and we'll keep playing this game of cat Good and mouse. Of Maybe we should let this guy know that he just killed his business. Tweet at him. I think he's going to figure it out. Yeah. I, you know what? I should log in on Twitter so that I could actively do that during the show. Be That'd like, be Gabriel, fun, yeah. you have, but I did already basically tweet that. I said at DuckDuckGo, I said DuckDuckGo destroys their only value proposition with a single tweet. Yeah, completely. I'm switching over to the Brave search engine right now. Yeah, that's it's in exactly beta. What it is brave. So you have your yeah. Brave browser, and then you got to go set up the Brave search engine within the browser. They're different. Okay. It, 
Well, that's what I'm going to have to do now. Yeah, it, it took me so long to get used to typing DuckDuckGo in instead of Google because it was such a habit for me that I'd formed over many years of exclusively using Google before I knew that they were terrible. And DuckDuckGo is a terrible website name, to be clear. Yeah, yeah, yeah no, yeah, DuckDuckGo really. is not good brand. We should have, if this guy, CEO wants to come on and, and defend himself, maybe the CIA gave him a gag order and was like, you're going to be censoring information now and you're not allowed to talk about why. You think he would tell you that? Yeah, not they, on they, air. He, he might tell Ian. I mean, he's in. A lot he's, of people tell me a lot. <laughs> so uh, there was this uh, email service. Uh, see if you guys can can look this up while I'm talking about it. Where they got what's called the National Security Letter. They had encrypted email. Uh, was it something Forge or something? I can't remember. They they said that uh, I think it was like an NS the NSA contacted them and said it's a National Security Letter. You're not allowed to tell anybody about this. Turn over all this information. And he was like, nope. And then they were like, if you don't do this, you're getting in trouble. And then he went public and was like, I got this letter. They're demanding I turn over information on my clients. And then, you know, I think they basically shut down his entire company. So this guy's probably chilling. And he's sitting there thinking like, we're doing a great job of fighting censorship. And there's a knock on the door and there's a guy in NSA, you know, badge. And he's like, you are from now on going to be censoring information we don't like. And he goes, you got it, boss. And then he goes to his Twitter account. He's like, we don't like free information. We want censorship. There you go. The problem with um, centralized power, you do not want, as a tech leader, you do not want centralized control of your organization, man, because you are the target. you got to decentralize that. No one person should be able to, to change a search engine like that, in my opinion. It's way too dangerous. People That's can get co-opted. Bad. Yep. Let me see. I think I, I think I found this story. Dude, dude, dude. Is this it? From 2013. 2013 story how the government killed a secure email company. Well, I don't know if this is the same company, but they say in mid-July, Tanya Lokshina, deputy director for Human Rights Human Rights Watch Moscow office, wrote on her Facebook wall that she had received. Yes, it was LavaBit. There you go. An, an email from Edward Snowden at LavaBit. It requested that she attend a press conference at Moscow's Sheremetyevo uh, International Airport. I'm probably saying it To discuss the NSA leaker situation. Yesterday, LavaBit went dark. In a cryptid statement posted on its website, the service's owners and operator, Ladar Levis, uh, Ladar Levison, wrote, I cannot share my experiences over the last six weeks, even though I have twice made the appropriate requests. Those experiences led him to shut down the service rather than, as he put it, become complicit in crimes against the American people. LavaBit users reacted with consumer vitriol on the company's Facebook page. What about our emails? The tide quickly turned toward government critique. By the end of the night, a similar service, Silent Circle, also shut down its encrypted email product, calling the LavaBit affair the writing on the wall. So clarification, he refused to give in to the government and shut it down rather than turn over people's information. Good for him. Yeah. That's great. And maybe that's what happened with DuckDuckGo. Maybe they sh- they knock on your door one day and they're like, well, we can destroy you and everything you love and own, or you can bend the knee and do as you're told. Welcome to the empire. Yeah. yeah it's been dude. so good to you your whole life. Now bow. Well, then what you would never, I mean, either way his business is dead. Yep. So you might as well have your dignity. Seriously. Yeah. I, 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 man, I would have, I'd love to be the CEO of DuckDuckGo. I'm not saying this actually happened. We don't know for sure. But I tell you this, if I was the CEO of this company and then I got a knock on the door and they're like, we want you to censor information from Russian sources, I'd be like, no. And they would be like, you have to. And I'd be like, how about I just shut it down? And then, if, then what, do you, what are they going to do about it? And then I go public and be like, hey guys, the government's requesting we censor information, so I'm shutting it down. That being said, that that being said, Elon Musk was public, he publicly stated he will never censor information over Starlink. So, except at gunpoint. He said he would at gunpoint. gunpoint. But dude's got, you know, some people say there's a thing called FU money. 
Yeah. yeah. Elon Musk has something like F everyone money. Yes. Wait, did he literally say I would at gunpoint? Yeah. yeah. Well, he's just inviting gunpoint. <laughs> the, you know, I'm trying to use this brave search. It's in beta. It's not great yet. That's the downside. Like, I'm well, going to go, will be. I'm going to go home. I was said later, I'm going to go home later after the show and get on my computer, my, my desktop and I've got DuckDuckGo and, and Google search. If I really need a good search engine that can crawl the web, I need something that's tried and true. DuckDuckGo has been, it is my current default. Me too. So now I have to switch it because I'm not going to support this. Yeah. Like I'm, maybe I'll use it when I'm not searching for news, but then go to Brave when I'm searching for data about Russia. I don't know how this show exists. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Because you're so charming, dude. And you actually do your research. Yeah, I guess. But like, I don't know, man. The government, the government, the institutions, the establishment, Democrats and neocons are trying so hard to drum up a war in it between NATO and Russia. We've got 13,000 NATO soldiers in Estonia right now. I think Estonia and they're firing stinger missiles and their Kamala Harris is in Poland and she's saying, Putin, don't you dare. We're coming. It's like, that's the opposite of de-escalation. They, I, I genuinely, I think the, the NATO would love to get an excuse to just flatten Russia. And they're doing everything in their power, it seems. And we're just sitting here all talking like every night being like, that's bad. That's wrong. You shouldn't do it. And they're lying to the American people. I just don't understand why we haven't gotten there. Well, we, we got swatted six times this year. Yeah. So maybe that's happening. I don't think I, – I, I, for one, we've never tested NATO, right? So it's never really truly been tested. So Article 5 has been called on one one time after 9-11, right? And the NATO forces, what did they do after 9-11? They said, okay, yeah, I guess this qualifies. And they sent some jets over to patrol the U.S. skies because that's the, the only job is they, they have to defend you on your soil. They don't have to go to enemy soil. That's why they didn't go into Afghanistan or Iraq. They did have some, you know, some countries were able to opt in, but there wasn't an Article 5, you know, actually invoked in order to force uh, troops to go in anywhere. So it's never really been tested. We don't actually know. I mean, we sit here and we posture and we act like, oh, yeah, we would totally flatten Russia, but we don't actually know how we would do head-to-head against Russia. And we also don't know who would join in with Russia. And, right? and Russia, their military is, I think their capabilities are around like, what, 50, 60% of NATO, which sounds... We don't know that. Right, right. But I will say this. Russia's military is unified under one command structure. NATO is a bunch of different countries, different languages, different cultures. That could be a huge issue. But NATO's really only the United States, France, the UK, and Turkey. Yeah. Everybody else just, what, gives us some bodies... The bodies of people that maybe are not well trained, right? So you have to have those four countries getting together and the French are always, lately they've been pretty hesitant to get involved at all. They've got their own problems. So they especially don't like to go with us to the Middle East and Turkey, same thing. Turkey feels a little bit hesitant about that. So, and Turkey does, is not really embraced very well. You know, look, look at how, uh, Ukraine is being embraced and putting in applications to be joining the EU and they get the backing of some EU members. And Turkey's been applying year after year after year, let us into the EU and they get snubbed. So Turkey is one foot out the door. Right. I just, I, for Russia and Turkey not to be like lockstep, I can't imagine that Black Sea, you can't get through Constantinople, Constantinople, you can't get through Istanbul without, without Turkey. Well, I think that's why Turkey knows that they've been embraced by NATO was just a, just to get, just to sort of, uh, take some power away from Russia, hopefully. But Turkey's not 100% there with us. I mean, they really are straddling the line between the two. And I think that at any minute, 
Turkey could actually say, you know what, we just want to forget this whole NATO thing. We're yeah. not really involved right. in it. Historically, I mean, people switch sides in the middle of conflict. It's not out of the ballpark. Just because someone on paper says they're your ally doesn't mean that, like, when realism hits the fan, people do what they need to do to survive. Right. That's why NATO hasn't really truly been tested, and I think they're afraid to actually do it. Because I don't think they know what Turkey will actually do if they'll really truly send bodies in to go and confront Russians. And to potentially, you know, uh, to allow thousands of your own to die for what? So I just want to say, uh, speak of the devil. What was the full phrase? And And he shall appear. appear. Uh, It looks like our chat shut down. Oh, what? I noticed uh, because, you know, we we have we have the live chat going and I can see everything. I jinxed it. And uh, normally it's just flying like crazy. Just chats are coming in like crazy. And so I noticed it stopped moving. And I was like, what's this? Yeah, and, it's not uh, moving. There's no chat. So I'm like, maybe the browser screwed up. So I tried mm-hmm. resetting the chat. didn't work. I pulled up my phone yeah. and went in. Yep. There, there's no chat. I just posted the message, smashed the like button, and I don't see it even on my own phone on the same account. So uh could be... Oh, a- there we go. No, yeah, it's, oh, it's back. Is go. it back? Oh, as soon as you mentioned That's it. That's what yeah, I noticed. Right? Right? As, building, as I was building mines over the decade, I noticed... Almost all the time when people think that you're doing something insidious, technically it's usually like a glitch. Yeah. That's no, what I dude. No that's, way. From my, no way. From my perspective as an admin, it is a glitch. Usually it's a glitch. Now it's, like it's ni- now it's, now it's exploded. They're like, oh, he's way. onto us. Some <laughs> yeah. admins like, people are saying chat yeah. was dead. It's back. It's broken. It's back. It what could happened? be a glitch. You know, the other night my internet went down and other people were like, my internet went down too. Like two nights ago. Did you guys have yeah, internet? Many such cases. Did you guys have, was there all yeah. sorts of tech outages a couple nights ago? Like, is this like a global attack? Was Probably, no, I, mean, well, I wouldn't look, have been surprised. Oh, that be, yeah, that yeah. Would, yeah. Lo, you, I'll, I'll tell you this, man. I think we're already in World War Three. The problem is people don't like that phrase because it invokes imagery of of bombings and blitzkriegs and all that stuff. But people need to understand that NATO is absolutely supplying weapons and personnel to the Ukrainians for a war, a ground war with Russia. China has already threatened the U.S. that if we take any any uh, economic uh, sanctions or actions against them, they'll retaliate against us. So. Already, China has announced that they're going to be supporting Russia with the sanctions with union pay. The U.S. is already – I'll put it this way. What is war? Can you define war for me like uh, legitimately like off the top of your head, Kim? Two countries battling. Maybe that – you know, because I'm not trying to push you on the or spot. many countries like, battling. What, how would you define it, right? We typically well, – there's hot war. There's cold war. Yeah, there's economic right. warfare. Info. And well, you could battle many ways. War. You don't right. have to battle with guns. You could mm-hmm. battle with – like it could be cyber war or, yes. you know, any kind of really and we've economic seen, warfare. We've seen cyber attacks across the board. We've seen weird outages happening. We've seen industrial plants exploding and things like that. And if we're in an information warfare or an info war, oh as some, some Texas <laughs> gentleman. Now you're really oh, looking for no, your no, chat no, to right. get yeah, shut you're down. To get there just, you go. Yeah. This podcast is sponsored by Ramp. Are you the decision maker in your company? Consider this. For the first time in decades, there's a better option for a corporate card and spend management platform. Meet Ramp, the only corporate card and spend management system designed to help you spend less money so you can make more. Most corporate credit cards offer points as incentives, but those points amount to less than their worth in real cash value. Ramp's business cards offer you cash back, real money in your pocket. Plus, you control who spends what with each vendor. And Ramp software collects and verifies receipts automatically, which means you'll stop wasteful spending and close your books in hours instead of days. Businesses that use Ramp add up to 5% to their bottom line the first year. If you're a decision maker, adding Ramp could be one of the best decisions you've ever made. And now get $250 when you join Ramp for free. 
Just go to ramp.com slash easy. Ramp.com slash easy. R-A-M-P dot com slash easy. Currents issued by Sutton Bank and Celtic Bank members of DIC. Terms and conditions apply. Yeah. No, but but if I, I think no. it's fair to say, you know, we see all these stories where it's like anonymous takes down Russian infrastructure. And I'm like, dude, it's probably the U.S. government or its contractors. Mm-hmm. It is Western interests going after Russia. Here's what here's what blows my mind. The U.S. is like, we want to give weapons to the Ukrainians, right? We have planes or whatever. Poland says we want to give these planes. If we're providing weaponry to Ukrainians, then Latvia says we vote to allow our citizens to go to Ukraine and fight for the Ukrainians. I'm like. How is this not a declaration of war? Providing yeah. resources to one country who's fighting another? Oh, yeah. And like Visa, MasterCard, and American Express shut down access in Russia. But it wasn't the American government that did it. Right. So we're off the hook. Isn't, but, you know, the, but it's like, oh, how much power do these corporations have? So think about what is the purpose of war? Because I, I agree with you, Tim. I actually think we're in World War Three, But I think we've been. And I actually, I don't remember which. So I actually said that exact thing on recently. But... um but I think it's not because of the weapons that we're giving and there's battles going on in Ukraine. What is the purpose of war? So when you're going to war with another country, why are you doing it? Hmm. You're doing it because you're trying to, you don't want them to. So we've always, we try to go to war with the Soviets to stop the spread of the Soviet Union, right? So we don't want them to have dominance or power in certain parts of the world. We want influence over different regions and people. To our own benefit. Right. So did you know, February 4th, did you hear about this document that Russia and China put out together a statement? So they issued a statement February 4th together that is a couple of pages long. And it if you read that statement that happened before Russia even invaded Ukraine, they pretty much declare, I mean, it, it's the most ominous statement because they essentially come out declaring, we're no longer going to have a unipolar world. It is now multipolar. And these I remember are, that, yeah. yeah, these, this is how this is, you know, this uh, basically pointing the finger at the West almost blatantly that they don't, I don't know if they actually name the United States in the document, but they essentially, they strongly allude saying we're the reason why there isn't world peace, that it's our fault and that the time the things have changed. This is it. This is the document. The China Aerospace Studies Institute, in their own words, joint statement to the Russian Federation and the People's Republic of China oh, wow. on the international relations entering a new era of the of the global sustainable development. Well, there you go. It's decently long. I'm not going to read the whole thing. but No, but there's parts of it um, that really they, they really call out the yeah. uh, American hegemony. And when you look at this and you think, okay, the purpose of war is to stop the influence or to or to um, weaken your enemy to some degree. So war doesn't have to be with guns. And I think there's been a concerted effort when you look at this and then you look at the steps that Russia has taken and then you see the steps that China has taken in response to it and you realize that we might have been at war, China might have been at war with us, China and Russia, for a long time. Right, because really it's just about you have an enemy, you don't like the enemy, you want to harm the enemy in some way. It doesn't have to, and they know they couldn't beat us militarily, nor did they even want to. So they, I think, went after us economically, potentially. Yeah, you want con- conquest or genocide, I think, are the two main goals of war. And yeah. it's usually to empower yourself through the destruction of the other. Um, and that doesn't have to be done with guns. That can be done it's not, it's psychologically. Not, it's, it's like you see children questioning their gender. Mm. That's basically... Genes- it's not genocide, but if people stop having babies, that's the end of the human it's race. Ca- it's control of a population. So if you could take over a country mm-hmm. without firing a shot, would you do it? 
Of course, nobody wants to waste resources. Right. So if you've got a, if you've got a country that's got a bunch of nuclear reactors, do you want to blow them up or do you want to use them? You want to use them. Anybody who's played the game Civilization knows this. If you can take over a city with minimal, you know, bombings, you get more from that city. You blow them up, the population shrinks, and you get a crappier city. Just basic math. So they've been planning this for a long time because they were trading in dollars in 2014. I think the percentage of dollars being traded between China and Russia was like 97%. And now it's down to 30-something percent that they use. So they've been doing that. They've been making these moves for a long time. They have been building up their own economies, strengthening their own ties with one another. They used to be enemies. Now they're like best buddies. Um, and, and they've been making all of these really, really strategic moves, making friends around the world rather than enemies. And now suddenly it's just really strange to me that Russia decides to invade Ukraine. When was it? The 21st of February. So they issued this statement on the 4th. Russia does a, a giant deal for an, a natural gas pipeline from Ukraine to, I mean, from uh, Russia to China, giant pipeline. And then suddenly he goes in and invades Ukraine, like as, you know, and I know a lot of, it, of course, they've been saying it's about NATO expansion, but we're, why now? Were they going to do a vote next week to put Ukraine into NATO? Like, what's so different this week the, from last week? Do you see the video of the Russian politician in December saying February 22nd, 2022? I wish this year would have been peaceful, but it's not going to be. Huh. Mark my words. In December, he said that. And uh, that video is not getting a lot of play, but a lot of like, um, so I, a Ukrainian friend said that to me. They were like, watch this video. And then I was just like, whoa. So they knew. They knew. And uh, truth be told, I didn't believe the U.S. when they were putting out these statements. They were like, Russia's going to do it. And I was I like, no, either. they're not. <laughs> well, look, it's the Democrat who cried Russia. Right. You know, Joe, Joe Biden or Jen Psaki or these Democrats are like, you know, Nancy Pelosi comes out and she's like, the Russians are going to invade. And I'm like, shut your mouth, you liar. I will not believe a word that comes out of these people's mouths and to our own detriment. What do you do? Well, they were right this one time. <laughs> well, it's like, I mean, it's like I said on yesterday's show, the moral of the story in The Boy Who Cried Wolf was not, oh, those shameful, stupid villagers for not believing the one time he turned out to be right. The moral of the story is it's his fault because he lied consistently and lost all credibility. We should make, uh, uh, we should make that kid's book, The yeah. Democrat Who Cried Russian. Absolutely. But the moral of the story is you should always believe the Democrats no matter what. <laughs> yeah. When they're completely, uh, yeah. So it, like it's the basic story, The Boy Who Cried Wolf, and in the end it's just like, if only they had just continued to believe the little boy who <laughs> lied all the time, they would have been better off. <laughs> Shows you to always obey yeah. the authority. Uh, that's true. The authority is never wrong. Mm -hmm. Correct. Yeah, so what else is going on though? I mean, we've been seeing China and Russia dumping US dollars for a long time now. Mm -hmm. And yeah. there were, I remember conversations back in like the late 2000s where they were like, China and Russia are getting prepared for a non-petrodollar, non-U.S. reserve currency world. Yeah, it's going to like the, how do you say it, the Ewan, Ewan, uh, so the petro Ewan is what oh. they're moving towards, it sounds is like. Is that what I should be buying right now? <laughs> Maybe. No, well, Maybe. And, and isn't it so sad that the elites in our country are so unbelievably irresponsible and corrupt <sighs> that we don't even want to hold on to our own currency because we all basically believe it's going to collapse and we're actively watching it lose 8%. A large portion of its value, yeah. yeah Only I, 8%. That's I, what we're being told. I think it was March 2020 when they first did that print. Was it $1.2 trillion? Maybe it was April 2020. That was when I gave up on the U.S. dollar. I was like, wow. Okay, I, I've known the Federal Reserve's busted the economy and that fiat's nuts and that the American military-industrial complex is over overreach, but... It never really struck me until March 2020, like, wow, well, they're just going to keep printing money. It was, um, from what, what, what I understand, what? it was th they were giving $450 billion to the Federal Reserve to leverage out in $4.5 in loans, just completely flooding the market. 
The uh, Zuby tweeted this that the money supply was four trillion in early 2020, and now it's 20 trillion or something like that, or 23 trillion. A lot of it's because the savings accounts got. Right. added to the money supply it, absolutely so it's that's like crazy. half at least half i would think of that number. no it's like it's like uh, uh it's more than half that number wow okay okay yeah. but uh, they did it to mask the amount of printing because if you look at the number the money supply is going along and all of a sudden they add the, the savings in and then the money supply is increasing at a new rate it, before when they added it's like right when they added the supply you, know, you see it china and russia saw what happened in 2008 and they were like you better start preparing because this is the end when you look at the money supply the real surge in money printing happened right after, two, right after 2008, after the market crashed. And then with the yes. pandemic, it skyrockets. Yeah. So I think Russia and China, India, Brazil, probably a bunch of countries. And I'm sure the, the U.S. Even the United too. States. Yeah, yeah they, they all know. Knew. Well, we, I mean, what happens is we, time. they argue that we have to use quantitative easing in order to stimulate the economy. But then we get completely addicted because as soon as you try quantitative tightening, the stock market goes crazy and we can't have that happen. So they just have to continually inflate the currency to prevent a crash. I, Posobiec is a brilliant man, Jack Posobiec, and he constantly is like, you do not want the US dollar to not be the world reserve currency. Right. I'm like, I know I don't, yeah. but I also don't want to be living off fiat for my grandchildren to suffer under the slave boot of authoritarian autocracy, you know, and, and have their, li- have their, their, their lives valued by some corporate credit. I don't know what to do. I don't want to destroy the system, but the system is an aberration and needs to be rectified. I think the best we can hope for is the multipolar world where it's more of a east-west. And so we're not dominating the world with one currency, but instead there's one currency that's often traded in parts of the world and another that is traded in the other part of the world. And, you know, as the world's population has increased, that's fine. I mean, when you look at the population 70 years ago compared to today, I think it's doubled on the globe. So even if the dollar is only dominant with half the world, it's still the same number of people as it was 70 years ago. But but have you considered that, um, you know, the average person, uh, I, I should say all people actually, are are stupid and that we should control them with a small council of elites huh. who who have inherited their power and then reset the whole system and then take everything these people own away from them. And then once we do, they'll be happy. Oh, yeah. Klaus Schwab, is that you? <laughs> wow, sorry. We can be uh, like, like, in, like some kind of economic forum for the world. Yeah, yeah. yeah like a world yeah, economic forum of some sort. Of some yeah, yeah. kind. Well, when we were hanging out with Ryan and Danny the other day, we played that video of the guy filling up the back of his pickup truck. Oh my God. That's what I'm thinking about. Gas. And I'm like, now, now you understand Bill Gates, but Klaus Schwab's probably better. Klaus is like sitting there and like he's sitting in his lounge chair with his belly hanging out. And he's like, clicking YouTube videos and then he watches a guy pouring gas in the back of a pickup truck and he's like I must do something about this. That's what I'm wondering. Kim, do you, when you think about like the, the, just the sheer stupidity of some humans to destroy themselves and everyone around them, like what do you, like the plebeians in the Roman times, they were like there's the elite central few that run society and everyone else is a plebeian because they're too stupid to understand which end of the fork to hold. Like how do you, do you see, do you think that that's real? That there's like a small group of really hyper intelligent humans and everyone else is like a, a dumb, like a follower? And that we need to live like that? We need to structure society around that? Obviously, yes. No, <laughs> no. Do you, how do you see it? Cause I'm, I'm having a hard time not seeing it like that. I think, I think Ian makes a good point because I'm sure many in the audience think that about you. No, no, but I'm not yeah. saying that to be funny. Like, sure, there's a yeah. lot of people. There's who are all, like, you're, in this situation, wrong. you're the leader. I'm the follower. It's very no, 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 specific. I mean, what I mean is, there are a lot of people who are like, I think Ian has bad ideas. You know what I mean? And, and so, so, therefore, we need to control you. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Right. Yeah. Like there are people. There are, the idea that there are people you cannot let run society because they'll fill the back of their truck up with gasoline. <laughs> right. right. <laughs> I will say this. There is a there is a, a brilliant Fulton Sheen quote 
we cannot allow society to be led by people who never learn to obey it. In other words, we are run by people who never learn to follow the rules and always saw themselves as above the law. Mm. And so what happens when they take control? They're completely lawless, and that's tyranny. But everybody feels that way about everybody. So that's the problem. Then who do you decide? You know, exactly. When you look at it, just even in our government now, you've got Democrats thinking that, and then you have Republicans thinking that. So which one are you going to choose? Yeah, unfortunately, I don't think I do decide at this yeah, point. I've, no. becoming, I've become a jaded cynic. <laughs> I'm, I'm just all about, I'm going to go live in the woods. Yeah. I'm going to get a bunch of chickens. You already did that. We're no, gonna, but, I know. <laughs> I, I hear what exactly. you're saying. I live by my, you know, I, I, my word your, your is... Your code. My, yeah, my code. I hear what you're saying about the fact that there are a lot of different perspectives on this, but we also have to be very careful not to fall into the trap of relativism and still be willing to acknowledge that there is truthhood and falsehood, and the best we can do is try to pursue that which is good and noble and pure and true as best as we possibly can. Even if there's some potential for us to get it wrong, at least we will have tried. I, get, I really don't like wealth that wealth goes from parent to kid on death. That makes me so... Who should it go to instead? Just disperse into nothingness or something. I don't know. Then why would people so want like, to earn wealth for their children? Well, you earn it for yourself, and then your children earn it for themselves. No, what but, show but, am yeah. I on right now? Here I am. I'm yeah. listening to a commie and somebody who's <laughs> like, like pushing for vaccine mandates. Right. What? I, I'm pushing <laughs> for vaccine <laughs> mandates? Yeah, basically. The exact opposite. No, no, because when and, you say and. my morality is for the good of the, the greater good. Yes. Then that is basically what people that push for vaccine mandates say. They say, yeah, well, absolutely. my morality is for the greater good. So. Good but do you believe that some moral claims can be true and others can be false? The problem is not saying that there is good and truth in the world and that we should try to promote what is true. The issue is people trying to promote falsehood as if it's true. I want to uh, oh, I want to go deep on this. Well, I want to ask Ian a question because everybody's posting ones in chat right yeah. now after what he said. Oh, but about the I have a question for you. Yeah. yeah, you said uh, – so Ian said he doesn't like – that money goes from parent to child. Is that, that's what you're saying? And the reason I say that is because I see a lot of incapable kids earn a lot of money and have a lot of sure, power sure, in sure. society. But, but, but just, just, I want to make sure I get your point. You, yeah. You, okay. So, uh, imagine this scenario. You have a 40 year old man. He's got uh, three kids and they're middle teenagers and he's a billionaire and, uh, they have a big house. They have a, they have a very, very large house and they'll live in it. And then uh, one day the guy is walking downstairs and he sees his kids making breakfast and he goes, hello there, whoa, and slips and then falls on his neck and snap his neck cracks. Should the government come and burn the house down and kick the kids out and no. put them in an orphanage? No. So how do you, what do those kids do, right? Maybe do the there's like a percentage, the house? an amount. Do the, okay, so the government comes in, takes the house, kicks the kids out and gives them each a hundred grand. So like a giant tax. I don't know. 90% well, tax. Why do those kids this, have a well, hundred grand to begin with? Well, because, well, 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 what do you yeah. like? So this is like, the issue. This is, this is why we tra If somebody is working because they want to provide for their kids, it, the problem is wealth doesn't mean rich. Wealth is just the, the, res the, the, the money and resources you have. So there could be a guy who's worth a hundred thousand dollars, his total net worth. This means he's got 12,000 in savings. He's got a mortgage on his house and, you know, liabilities plus assets and equals about a hundred grand. And he lives in the suburbs and his kids go to school. His kids, 16, 17 years old. And then he dies and the mom dies or whatever. They both had a car accident. You got to transfer what the parents had to the kids. Otherwise the kids are just homeless. 
So that's the way it works. So it's also interesting because, Ian, there have been some analyses which have suggested that inheritance taxes make income inequality worse. Because when you look at middle class people, generally their best way of generating intergenerational wealth is through home ownership, property ownership. It's basically what they can pass on to their children. And so we've also seen it disproportionately harming farmers because their wealth is stored up in their land and the crops that they grow. And I just find it interesting how these left-wing economic policies almost always end up going after the people who make our food. It's not necessarily intentional, but it almost always ends up uh, resulting what, in food becoming more about, difficult like, the, to produce or more expensive. The owners of BlackRock, when they die, BlackRock goes to their kids. Like, why? Well, their shares. Yeah, that's yeah. publicly traded. Well, it's different. Like, it could be that I'm just talking about something that's way too ahead of its time because we're on the money system. As long as we're using money as our currency, we're, there's going to be this as problem. As long as we're using currency, you mean? No. The, the currency has evolved over time. It used to be shells. We would trade little gems and shells. Then we, when Then we created money. As our as a currency type. Now we have electricity as a currency type, but like it, we're, no, no, the no, idea yeah, that yeah, money yeah, is yeah, the yeah, final yeah, form yeah. of currency got us into this position gotta, in the gotta, first place. Got to stop you there because you're just very money is a form of currency, man. They're not <laughs> yeah. the same thing. Uh, okay, you need a. I think the more equitable you're, you're form of currency, we, like electricity, would make a lot. Do you more know sense. what? Do you know what like currency is? Can you define it? The definition. I could look it up really quick. Right, a trade medium. Yeah. So that somebody who makes bread can trade something that holds value as an intermediary. Shells are money. Gems are money. No, no, they're currency. Money is a type of currency. It's a trade medium. What, what, it's like it, lightweight, cash. Yeah, well, what, whether you do it in a dollar bill or you do it in a seashell, it's the same thing. Or electricity, right? If because I power like, your but house. we don't we don't trade. No, electricity is different. Yeah. That would be well. like I trade you bread for the electricity. So that's the trading of goods. And what currency yeah. does is it allows for me to trade. I I don't want your Electricity. I don't think yes, electricity is a good. I, I, well, I think it's cut to the point where if we don't have it, we're screwed. Well, Ian, can I ask you, how would you correct for the double coincidence of wants that she was just explaining? The problem of sometimes one person who's generating wealth doesn't necessarily have something that they can trade directly with the other person who has something that they want. Then maybe they, they just aren't able to make the trade. Like, let's say Tim's but, got a bunch you, of bananas. Do you think that's a good system, or are you just sort of saying that descriptively? Um, I don't think that just because you have a lot of money means that you're the guy that gets to pick who gets to trade what. Let me tell you guys a story. I don't think that's I don't think that's what currency let me, does. Let me tell you guys a story. This yeah, is yeah. a story about Occupy Wall Street. Okay. One day I was at Occupy Wall Street, and I saw a woman who had a table. And on that table, she had a whole bunch of socialism books. Mm-hmm. And I heard her talking to somebody about how money is the root of all of our problems and we need to get rid of money. And I was like, I'm, I'm, I'm with it. I'm like, all right, cool. I, I hear you. I hear you. I'm, you know, I'm confused, right? So I asked her, I was like, so you don't think we should have money? And she goes, no, we shouldn't. People should get access to, to equal goods. And I said, okay, here, I have a problem. So here at Occupy Wall Street, I go out on these marches and I live stream them. That's a real value to the people who are protesting because then people can hear and see and share, right? She's like, right, yes, of course. And I was like, okay, should I get something in exchange for doing something of value for the community? She said, well, absolutely. And I said, right. When I leave to go, when people, to, to follow these marches and film them, when I, by the time I come back, all of the food has been given away because the people who aren't working walk up, get the food for nothing. And then by the time I'm back from doing work, there's no food left. And she said, well, then maybe we hold some of the food for you, you know? And, and I said, okay, I, I like the idea. How do we track who, you know, and I'm, I'm, I'm asking her in all sincerity. I'm like, how do we track, you know, do we have like a list of people? And it's like, we have to have these food, this food for these people. Would it get complicated? And she goes, well, maybe they issue like vouchers 
They'll give you like a piece of paper that represents the work you oh. did or something. And I went, like money? <laughs> Hilarious. And she was like, no, 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 not like money. And I'm like, but if I had a voucher that just said it was worth some kind of trade meat, like it was oh worth the work I did, I could trade that with someone else and they could turn it in for the food. It's called script. Corporations called used to do that. Money, well, that's a type yeah, it's of money. It's a type of currency called script. And they would, corporations would give out script to their workers and you can only use it at the company the stores. Company store. Yeah, but if I don't want to buy from that company store, right? That's the problem, and that's why we have currency. We have money that we can use as an as you know, so that I could. If I don't want Tim's bananas, but but he wants what I've got, bread, and you've got gems to sell me that to make jewelry or something. You know, I I don't want all these things, and so we trade in money in order Ian, to get those. Well, things. the downside Ian, is even the, the rich Federation. guy can can get a big loan and have all this funny money that he can buy all the stuff. Because so he what? had access to the dollars, so so to the money. So, but so it's what? like even money. The, what's even, the value even, of money? Even the really, Galactic Federation uses credits. <laughs> yeah, but I don't think they really would they, at that point. If they're materializing matter, they wouldn't need that stuff. You got to watch Star Trek, man, because you know what you're talking about. <laughs> Latinum. I mean, bro doesn't even know what he's talking about. Do you even watch Star Trek, <laughs> bro? Do you even <laughs> do you Space even Journey? Watch Star Trek? <laughs> Are we going to have a conversation on economics? Yeah, materializing with Gene Roddenberry's work. Well, let's table. I'm down to table this talk, but. I, I just actually, I actually pulled up a, a few of the key differences between money and currency. Because I was like, this is a great question. So money can be stored. Uh, sorry, money can be a store of value and is intangible in nature. Currency cannot be a store of value, although it is always tangible in nature. So tangibility. Money refers to actual value of goods or services that's traded for. Currency is just a medium that we keep in our pockets to increase our purchasing power and to make day-to-day payments in our lives. That that sounds like BS because that you makes disagree? no sense. I, I don't see how that makes sense. I don't understand what money is yeah, according to this. There's cash. Right? Then there's there's digital dot, dots, ones and zeros in a, oh, in a bank see. ledger somewhere. So money but those is, are different. Okay, different so maybe that's of, what they're saying. Yeah. So money is what you have in your bank account. Right. Currency is what I what I have in my wallet. Right. Okay, so that's a dollar. Of, I don't know. That's, 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 that's interesting. That's ridiculous. Yeah, because they're also saying that money has intrinsic value, which you could easily argue that Fed money does not have. Mm-hmm. Any right. So that makes yeah. sense actually, because. All the money that it was printed wasn't really printed by the Fed. They just put it into their ledger, right? But they're just adding money. They're not adding currency into the market. Oh, there's there. Yeah. I don't. I don't believe there will ever be a circumstance in which we will not have money. Yeah, I, I don't. don't, I don't. Trade. No, like, we have to have money. I don't think that there's any way, like you said, because if you are going out and videoing something, how can somebody trade that with you? There's, uh, you know, first we have the the laws of thermodynamics, right? So even when they're conceptualizing a show like Star Trek The Next Generation, they try – there's really, there's really interesting contradictions in, the, contradictions in the show where in some instances they're like, We've, we don't use money anymore because we have replicators. But they have beachfront they – they have riverfront property or bayfront property in San Francisco. Like how do you, how do you distribute wealth or, or, or allocate resources? So I don't know how that would make sense, living in a Star Trek-style future with no money, but someone gets to live on the bay? No, there's value there. Also, and people mm-hmm. will strive and say, how do I do something to earn more? Is it appointed to you? Well, communists have tried arguing Star Trek is communist, and they explain this is one of the reasons why. The problem is, in the actual show, they couldn't overcome logical fallacies or logical uh, plot conundrums without explaining the use of money. Why would there be a need for exploration if you could replicate everything? Ah, the replicators can't make certain complex substances, so you have to go and find them and get them. Otherwise, it would, it would be a show about a bunch of gods flying around doing whatever they wanted. There'd be no constraints. So within the, within the laws of physics, when we try conceptualizing a science fiction show, we're like, there's, there has to be money. Otherwise, they're just teleporting gods who can do whatever they want because they're constrained by nothing. Well, yeah. 
and also, even if it were the case that we ended up in some kind of post-scarcity landscape, the reality is it's really an incoherent idea because your time will always be scarce. There's always going to be an opportunity cost to everything you do. Post-scarcity isn't even, like I said, it's, it's not a coherent concept in this world. I, I believe your, your time is the most, your most valuable resource, way more than any amount of money you could be given on birth. Mm-hmm. So like what you do with your life is, is the value. And, and also like, what am I going to get for what I give? Maybe that's a archaic concept. Like why do you, why do people feel like they need something in return for giving to, if they have enough, Survival. If you have enough to survive and to thrive, then sustainability. Why? Why must we profit? You know, it's for your children. Yeah, if you have enough to sustain and your children have enough to sustain, then why do you need to rip people off and rip people off? Or why do you need to get things for the things you give people? It's just. I get what he's saying, and I think that there maybe is a solution to it where it's like there's a cap where you've had. Okay, so it doesn't hurt the farmers, and it doesn't hurt even the millionaires. It's like there's a cap, and then the rest of that has to. I disagree. I absolutely disagree. Why is there a system of profit? Um, well, some people are good at things and some people aren't. Yeah, but some people that's are born true. into it. Right. That, that is true. Right. Some people are good at things and some people yeah, aren't. That's true. But some people are getting things not because they're good at something. Ah, right. But sure. that's, 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 that's like an, an, an issue. But if, so if you have a system where some dude is like, I've figured out a way to create energy that's extremely effective, you know, and efficient. And then we say, but we're going to put a limit on how much you can actually grow your business. That's a bad thing. Well, no, no. John Rockefeller did that exact thing. He figured out how to transport oil with with pipelines, and then they had to break up his company because it was too powerful. Uh, Standard right, right. oil. Mm-hmm. So I'm I'm saying like stopping monopolies is different from telling the little guy he can't have thirty or more employees. You know it actually I mean? sounds the same. I don't think so. Yeah, I mean it's exactly the same thing. If you're going to break up a monopoly, you are saying to that business owner you cannot have. X, yeah, Y, Z yeah, but, thing, but, no matter how good you are at getting that thing. But I'm talking about scale. I'm not talking about like principle. Pr- yeah, hard law. I'm saying that like censorship, for instance, censorship is actually a good thing, depending on the context. If someone's posting child abuse on websites, we certainly want censors to like get rid of that, find those people and arrest them. We don't want our political opinions to be censored. That's, you know, but then there's a challenge in what constitutes a political opinion. So you have morality issues. If there's one company that controls all communications, and they're censoring their political rivals, or it's a cabal in Silicon Valley, we got a very serious problem. If it's like one small website who is having their domains seized by big companies, so we want to protect the smaller uh, guy. So my point is, yes, in certain circumstances, antitrust makes sense, but the idea someone is allowed to earn more money, they're not ripping somebody off, they're allowed to expand their business, we just don't want them to control all of the market. You know what I mean? That's so for it's sure. Thing. Yeah. So putting let's, a let's, limit let's, on let's, it. Let's, let's talk about uh, this, this story we got from CNBC. Inflation rose 7.9% in February as food and energy costs pushed prices to the highest in more than 40 years. Every single month. It's going to be weird. Same headline. They're like, the new numbers have come out and it's worse <laughs> than it's been in four decades. Jeez. And I'm like, I, I like feel like times. I just saw the January numbers, right? And that was seven and 7.5. Yep. And yep. now it's 7.9 in February. So let's talk about what this means for you guys. Ian was just discussing money and currency, and there's some interesting questions to have here. I don't care about the U.S. dollar in terms of what that means for you because we got other numbers to deal with. What I care about is how many hours do you have to work to eat a meal, to to live, to have health care? And this is the big problem I have with the left when they're like, $15 minimum wage. And I'm like, the number and the piece of paper or the digital currency does not change that you will have to work a set amount of hours to earn certain resources. If it's, it's, it's simple. If everyone in the country 
is getting paid 15 bucks an hour to make a widget. The cost of widgets goes up with the cost of labor. So changing the number does not change the amount of time taken from the person to produce the object. So my, my, my thing is when it comes to better standards of living, we need, it's a supply and demand issue with labor versus, uh, supply demand of demand for labor versus supply of labor. And it's what people are willing to work for right now. People are not willing to work for that much, but the fact remains if, if it's by government force or by unionization, if every single person says, you know what? The government won't raise our wages. Then we're all going to demand it. You will still get inflation and you will still work the exact same amount of hours for the exact same resources. But this was the argument against abolishing slavery. <laughs> I mean, what? if you, well, because if you want really cheap good, I mean, if you're saying that, well, you can't raise wages because if you raise wages, then that's going to raise the cost of goods. I'm saying that money represents time and value, time and labor. Time and labor won't change by mandate. So what, what you'll get is there's a few interesting things. The minimum wage will allow people to buy computers for, for, uh, for less, less time of their lives. So we, we get our computers made by, you know, like sweatshop and slave labor in a foreign country. And if a computer costs $500 and you get $500 per week from your job, if we give you a 20% raise, it'll take you 20% less time to buy that product because the product is imported from a, from a country that uses slave labor. But if you're buying American made goods and their wages go up the same as yours, you now have to pay the same amount of time for that, for their amount of time. You right. I mean? So basically you're saying then, so then what is your solution uh, to I'm, keep wages low? What do you mean? For certain groups of people in order to keep the goods low? No, so no, that no, the goods- that, that's, that's not, a, that's not a principle or a moral position. That's a fact. It's just a, it's just a mathematical fact. Changing the representation of time and labor doesn't change time and labor. That's so if someone comes out and says, but let's put it this way. Let's use arbitrary, uh, gaff tape. For every hour you work, you get one gaff tape. Oh my. If we say, well, I demand two gaff tape. It's like, okay, but you still have to work for, for an hour. And these items just represent that hour. It doesn't matter how many of them you have. What matters is what someone is willing to pay in terms of their time for your time. So money as a number is mostly arbitrary. It's not entirely. And I'll tell you, so I'll tell you when it comes to inflation, what happens is if you work for one hour and you're given money to represent that one hour of labor, you can now exchange it for the equivalent value of one hour of someone else's labor. With inflation, your time is being stripped away. So now you worked for an hour and it's the equivalent to a half an hour. That's inflation. The, 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 the actual number of the currency, this is completely missed by many on the left when they argue for minimum wage. If we eliminated currency from the, from the, from the, from the question, you'd be saying to someone, okay, you work for one hour at my restaurant and you'll be able to buy a meal. Okay. Money is irrelevant. Whether the meal costs $5 or $10, one hour gets you one meal. If you tell, if, if you have two guys and one guy makes the meal and one guy sources the food, they're both still going to have to work one hour of their life to exchange the meal and the, to give the food to the guy to make the meal so they could both enjoy it. You change their minimum wage and now $10 represents their one hour. They're still asking for an hour of each other's time. So the solution to minimum wage issues is supply and demand. If, but, but again, it's, it's, the system is never going to change. This will always be the case, even if it's done through capitalism or if it's done through government command economies. The only thing that you'll get is ebbs and flows. So one of the things I think is good about a minimum wage increase is that imported goods that we get from slaves will be easier to acquire for people working minimum wage. Americans don't want to admit the reality of their slave made goods, but that's Mm -hmm. the reality. So if a slave is going to work for one hour to make, you know, 50 shirts, 
in the United States, if we give you a minimum wage increase, that won't be a wage increase for the slave who's getting paid garbage or not getting paid at all. Mm-hmm. Americans love their foreign products. They absolutely do. Made in China across the board. If we were to increase the wage of a sweatshop worker, same as you, you would not see, you, you might see a yeah. lag in goods that already exist coming through. And so that's one benefit of raising minimum wages. So if, if a, a shirt is made and then the person gets paid to make it and they go and buy food and then 30 days later, the shirt arrives, the cost of that shirt is still say five bucks. However, in the past week, you got a dollar raise and you made six bucks this week. So you can buy the $5 shirt and have a dollar left over. It feels good. However, now that they've given a raise to the other guy within a week's time, the shirt's now $6. So raising the minimum wage is a temporary, it's, it's a Ponzi scheme. The oh, whole, yeah. the whole system is a big Ponzi scheme, but you know, there you go. That buys you about eight months. The people love those eight months of, of, of currency raise because you can get 20% more stuff. Well, look what happened at the beginning of the pandemic. Uh, our government engaged in the largest transfer of wealth that has occurred in all of human history. Yep. They printed about $2.2 trillion, about $450 billion of that went to the Fed to leverage out $4.5 trillion in loans. And the way the wealth is redistribu- redistributed in a very insidious way is the people who get the money first in loans before the inflation really hits – are the ones who benefit. And that comes off the back of everyone else who now has more difficulty affording things and who have lost the value of their savings because that money was printed devaluing the currency or because it was floated into the marketplace devaluing the currency. The people that get first access to the money. Yes. That's really disturbing. Exactly. Yeah. It's a redistribution of wealth from people who access the money first or to people who access the money first from everybody else. But that was because they actually added money into the system that mm-hmm. didn't exist prior to that point. Yeah. So it would be different if you're raising minimum wage and a corporate, uh, a corporate boss was told you have to raise the wage to $15 an hour, but you have to do it out of the resources you currently have. You're not getting more from me. I'm not going to print money and give it to you. But it, I mean, it affects, so for example, you have inflation in certain sectors just depending on how the wealth is redistributed, uh, as opposed to new money being created. So for example, when the federal government started guaranteeing student loans, colleges started raising their prices, which was an inflation within that particular field, even though new money wasn't actually created. So you'd have to actually stop greedy inflation because there's really no more demand. It's not a supply or demand issue when you're talking about things like college education necessarily. Yeah, no, I hear you. I mean, I would agree Especially with you completely. Especially things that are not tangible. When, when you're looking at college education, there's certainly, yeah, I mean, it's it's greed. But we also know based on all the research, and according to the National Bureau for Economic Research, I should say, colleges are going to respond to those kinds of subsidies by raising the prices. I think what we have to do is just shift the incentives and consider the incentives before implementing any kind of policy. Because the idea behind guaranteeing student loans was more people will be able to go to college. It was a very nice idea, but but they didn't actually think through the incentives that was creating for the colleges, and it ended up making college less accessible for everybody in the long run. That's why you have to do it as a two-step process. So not only do you offer an affordable education to somebody in a way by giving them some sort of access to a loan or uh, or even just tuition, free tuition. Mm-hmm. But you then would have to have the second step being that you t- you do the control on the university itself. Yeah, I think there's an argument to be made. I, for that. I, I think have to we, look into a specific policy prescription there, but I think we just you know get rid of universities. You always say that, but yeah. we need education. Do you like the house you live in? Because you need an architect to build it. Do you like the roads you drive on? Do you like the doctors you this go wasn't, to? This house wasn't built by an architect. Either way, well, somebody had to actually, then it's not structurally sound and is it, it going to collapse on me? No. <laughs> I mean, this house was actually built by a bunch of local dudes. But either way, some architect over time had, put, somebody it, it, had to check it to make sure that it was structurally sound. And that made, that was an educated person who understood 
architecture in order to ensure that the beams are in the right spot, that you have support beams true. where they need to be. Well, so, sh- of course it's true. No, I mean, no, what no. about a skyscraper? So you just want to let anybody just go and build a skyscraper without an education and know how to do it? Do you need a certification to build a skyscraper? It sure helps. I mean, look, like I'm not going to go don't. to just any random Yahoo Archi- about Ar- some, Ar- you know, my, for my doctors, so, for example. So architecture is art and engineering is the actual structure, right? So an architect will like draw a pretty picture of a building with like cool like arches and the engineer has to figure out how to dist- distribute weight and do things like that. For this house in, uh, specifically, this this is a true story. I it's it's It was built um, by a bunch of local guys who just knew uh, basic carpentry and, and construction. And so they all understood the basic weight. Every beam of wood has like a, you know, a, 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 a what, 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 what's the right word? Um, it, 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 how much weight it can withstand. So they have like two beams here, two beams there. And they're like, okay, these beams can hold this weight so we can build up to this side because the total weight pressed. It's, it's not, it's not, it's not coming from university. They, they learn these things. So we've built stuff on our own. We're having skate ramps built and it's just guys who know how to put nails in wood and know the general capacity of certain wood. They just, they, you learn these things over time. You can learn those things, but how do you control the quality of that education that somebody learns? So somebody could come knocking on my door like a snake oil salesman and be like, Hey, guess what, Kim? I could build you a house in your backyard. I know how to do it. I learned all of it. Where did you learn it? Online. I watched YouTube videos. Okay, yep. fine. But how do Show I know? Of your work. Right. Well, somebody would have to have trusted him to start. An apprenticeship. But here's the thing. I mean, so the person gets a job as an apprentice when they're young working for. But that's no a, different than a university. That's what a university is. is apprenticeship just on a lot no, of no, scale. No, 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 no. One pays it's you scale. and you pay the other. But right? a lot of times you can't find an apprentice that'll take you on because that, it's nepotist, you know, the nepotism or it's who you know or they're paid off by somebody. It's essentially a university. I mean, that's, so university that's, that's, is just education at scale. But that's not an argument scale. for the, for the, for the, for the situation at hand. That's just an argument for maybe there's crime. Or maybe there's social problems. If the issue is you're going to tell someone to go spend tens of thousands of dollars to go to university so they can learn something and be in a classroom versus someone can get paid to work, even if you're just getting coffee to start for the first month and actually watch something happening in real time, university is detrimental. So, well, first of all, I don't think you should have to pay tens of thousands of dollars for university. So it should be something that is... Well, who pays for it? Well, I don't think... I, knowledge shouldn't be so expensive. I mean, you certainly would want your professors and the to to be able to live and feed their families and have a nice life so that they're incentivized to become professors. But it doesn't need to be to the level where it's at where these universities are getting these you know, they have these massive uh, accounts worth billions and billions of dollars. I mean, it's For just sure. outrageous. But well, so, you know, you'd have to find that. So it, with this whole idea of going to a society and just eliminating university, well, I'm not actually calling for eliminating universities. You just did. That was me being hyperbolic for, uh, I thought that was fairly You obvious. say it every time I talk. I don't say you You don't like universities. Yeah, I think people shouldn't go to them, but I think in terms of like research at universities and grants, those are fine for certain jobs. Like, uh, um, you want to be a doctor. I understand why we make people go to school to be a doctor and get a certification there. But for the most part, universities should be like, and aside, you know. Well, so maybe they've expanded and maybe you don't, maybe you don't agree with all of the, all of the, uh, topics that they teach. I'll, I'll tell you this. If someone tries to get a job from me and they have college on their resume, it's a net negative outright out of the gate. But that's just because you have bias, but that's just you. It, you absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Quite literally. And it's because in my experience, I have already hired many people who have spent too much time at institutionalized learning facilities and have not enough real world experience. They can't understand how to make things function properly. So for me personally, I'm like, if you've spent this much of your life in school, 
you probably, you know, I, I think that's a net negative. However, portfolio is the most important thing. You come to me and say, I went to college. I'll say, sure, whatever. Show me your portfolio. You can't do that. I'm not interested. But my, my issue is, you know, I've spent a lot of time around people who have chosen to start working from a young age, worked side jobs throughout high school, and then decided to get into an industry outside of high school. And then I know a lot of people who went to college and didn't know what they're going to college for, but they were told to by their parents. And that's what everyone was told to do. Racked up a bunch of debt and now have no idea what they're doing with their lives and are miserable paying off debt, working crappy jobs. Right. So the debt part is the issue. It's not really the actual experience of going to college because you can't expect every 18-year-old to know what they want to do with their lives at the time that they're 18. I disagree. I think that's a huge social problem we have. I knew what I wanted to do for the most part. But like, that was you. So again, it's, you know, and, there's and, a lot of people that point, they're my, still finding they, themselves. And they shouldn't be at 18 because I, you're an adult at 18. Yeah. And so for, so this is one of the problems we have as a country. When I was a little kid, I was playing music, I was skateboarding, I was rollerblading, and I was programming websites and video games on a computer, and I was reading the news. When I was like 10 years old, I'm on CompuServe and AOL, and I'm reading articles, and I'm doing it, and somehow managed to, here I am, you know, not 36. A bunch of my friends were doing literally nothing. You know, I was homeschooled from the time I was born until I started preschool, until I started kindergarten. A bunch of my friends sat around doing nothing but watching TV, just mindless nonsense. By the time they were 18, they were like, I don't know what I'm doing. And I was like, I've written several songs. I've recorded and published them. I've made several websites. I've done a bunch of odd jobs. And then people were like, go to college. I was like, what for? I already, I'm already working. I'm already getting experience in all this stuff. And I'm watching people go to college being completely clueless. The problem is we as a society have been telling our kids to do nothing and say, just go to school, just go to school. We've put them in institutionalized learning facilities that don't teach them anything. School sucks. You know, every, every kid thinks it. Every kid says it. So we're taking kids and saying, for the, for 22 years of your life, you're going somewhere you hate. Now you're 22. You're out of college. I expect you to have skills that's going to be valuable to society. And they don't. It's not surprising. But, but a lot of them do. A lot of them do. I think that's a relative argument. I think, if you took a kid who grew up and worked on his dad's farm or in his dad's smithing shop or smelting, you know, work smelting or watched his dad weld, and then he grew up and went to high school and learned basic math and stuff and had been working at the family business, you take that person at 18 compared to an 18-year-old who did none of those things, the 18-year-old fresh out of high school who worked for his dad's shop is going to tell you about accounting, finance, banking. He's going to explain to you what time the workers come in. He's going to know about the labor laws. And that other kid's going to be like, I have no idea what any of that is. And you expect the kid who did nothing but go to an institutionalized learning facility to know what they want to do with their life. The kid who was welding when he was 13 is going to be like, I once made this really cool structure with my dad. They're going to have that memory. They're going to have the experience. And at the very least, they're going to have real world work experience and connections in their community. I think school is one of the biggest detriments to human civilization. I think that I understand parents can't be there explaining math and history to all these kids. But now you take a look at what's going on with like Florida. Don't say gay. You take a look at what's going on with teachers refusing to let parents know what they're teaching their kids and then teaching these kids a lot of complete wacky activist nonsense. I'm like, it's just gotten worse from the get go. We used to be a civilization of apprentices. The kids would watch the parents work. I had the, I, not, not only was I homeschooled, but my mom opened a, a coffee house and I got to watch how the business worked. So I'm in sixth grade and I'm, I'm earning money. And so I've got money. I've got responsibility. I bought my own Game Boy and my own Pokemon Red. That was, that was for me, I guess in this civilization, I was lucky to have all those things. You were, I wish that my parents had a business. I always wished that growing up. And that's what we need to do, do learn to a civilization. Lot but the thing is, is, it, you know, I agree with you that society definitely pushes education way too hard and that they devalue the apprenticeship sort of track for kids. 
And I do agree that they absolutely allow kids to just kind of go through and not know what they're wanting to do and just continue on that aimless path. But, you know, just even looking in you sharing your experience, my, me sharing mine anecdotally, my dad on his side of the family, my grandfather was a farmer. He was the son of a farmer that immigrated here from Denmark, then ran the farm. My grandfather hated the farm. He became a teamster. He was a trucker. He supported all seven kids being a truck driver. My grandmother was a secretary at a newspaper. All seven of my dad's siblings, of the seven kids, my dad was the only one who went to college. Everybody else in my family, blue-collar workers. They all worked in factories. They were dry cleaners. They were landscapers. They were working to the bone every day, back-breaking work. My dad went to college, got a computer programming degree, was able to then get a really good job. Out of the seven kids, we absolutely had more money than the others. There's no doubt about that. How, how old was your dad? Like, what, when was he born? 47. So my theory on this is that your dad likely went to college because he liked computers and he was passionate about something. See, back then, our society didn't tell people college was mandatory. It right. wasn't. Right. So your dad, you know, so if you're, if you're in this age, you know, in the, in the sixties and seventies, people were able to get a high school diploma and then support their family. A family of five, just a high school diploma was normal. So why go to college at all? Unless you really wanted to because you were passionate about it. So I'd argue your dad made more money because of his passion, not because he went to college. Well, because the job he got commanded more money. So he was able to get a job of a higher wage that put us into upper middle class versus my family, which was blue collar middle class. You know, you know what I love? Jimmy John sandwiches. Is it difficult to make sandwiches? No. Do you need a degree to learn how to make a sandwich? Absolutely not. But Jimmy John is a rich dude. Because he made a lot of sandwiches. Right. So the college argument for wealth, to me, makes absolutely no sense. You could you could be the best dang chimney sweep in the country and be a millionaire. But that's like one. But that's a few. So you you have an entire group of let's say lawyers, right? As a whole, on average, they make way more money than an entire group of sandwich makers. So you've got, yes, the Jimmy John who happens to be, and I know Jimmy John actually, who happens oh, to wow. be. Cool. Big fan. <laughs> we, we ordered Jimmy John every day this week because of my birthday week. I love Jimmy John's also, but I, so but, you know, I used to live in Champaign, Illinois. I did radio really? there. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I've been through the area quite a bit. Yeah. <laughs> we put them on the panini yeah. grill and get them. Oh man. Oh really? I've never tried yeah, that. So. Oh, that's good. Yeah. I mean, they are good. But, sam- damn good sandwiches, right? Yes. Lawyers make more than sandwich makers, but my point on is average, right. no matter what job you choose, you can be rich if you're passionate and driven. To sure, also, you sandwich can. makers are much more popular but yeah. that's right. true, that's true. Too. <laughs> they're way more liked right there, there's no doubt about that but you know i look at my mom's side of the family for example and they're all vietnamese immigrants and what do you think vietnamese immigrants do when they come here to america i'll give you one guess Start nobody working. wants to be there nobody, nobody <laughs> wants to i want to say something but i'm not going to say it on tv yeah, right. <laughs> you said dry cleaners. nail salons right yeah. so they do nail salons so everybody in my family on my mom's side and they work and they scrub feet literally for they a do. living that's hard work it is. It's very hard work. And they do it so that they would put my generation through college. And what do they tell all of us kids? They say, you're going to go to college and you're going to be engineer. You're going to be doctor. You're going to be lawyer. Right. And that's it. And that was the only choices we had. We had like three choices and that's all you could be. And it was, they were scrubbing feet in order to put us into college in order to get those jobs. Because on average, now my generation, which is, you know, now we're in our thirties and forties, we on average make more money than my mom's generation. Now, that being said, my aunt, is a very wealthy nail salon owner who owns a ton of nail salons oh, well. in the Beverly Hills area. Oh. So she owned five nail salons. She does all the celebrity wow. nails. She's been the big hot shot nail salon owner in Beverly Hills since 1988. 
makes the most money out of everybody. There's no doubt about that. But collectively as a whole, my generation makes more money than my mom's generation on average. So there was the one that got lucky, but she has to support the rest. My generation, none of us have to support each other because we all make enough money to support ourselves. I mean, why? I don't think it's luck at all. You know, one, one. It was hard work for sure, but it was also luck because a lot of other people work very, very hard. And I don't want to discount the fact that somebody works very, very hard, but just never got the break in life to make a bunch of money. I don't think it's the break. I think it's, you know, the, the, the saying is chance favors the prepared. Some people are prepared to make sacrifices or take chances and others aren't. But sometimes your chance and, and the success, like you were born here in America, so you had the opportunity to have a lot of success in America. But if you were an immigrant coming in from like El Salvador and you've got to literally walk your rear end all the way across a continent to get yourself into America, that was a lot of hard work. And then you get here and maybe you're only living in a two-bedroom apartment, but to you, that's rich compared to where you could have lived. You think I had a two-bedroom apartment? No, I'm saying to that person. If that person lived in a two-bedroom apartment here, that's to them wealth. They've made it, right? Yeah, two-bedroom But compared to to you, is not. Yeah, it was. But right, but to this guy, even I mean, this guy was living in a shack and on dirt in El Salvador or something. So everybody's wealth is relative to where they came from, you know. Mm. And so, I mean, I know guys that started off with millions and then they made billions. Yeah. And to them, that was Donald Trump. Mm. Started off with a million dollars. Small loan of a million dollars. That's a problem. Uh, Going to relative uh, to to Sweden and seeing the bad neighborhoods in Sweden, and I was like, "This is so nice." (laughs) Like the houses, like the apartments for like the poor people were just like the wealthy area of Chicago. And I told them that, and they were just like, "Yeah." I'm like, Chicago's bad, man. This really bad. You had to go to Sweden to figure that out. Let's let's go to super chats though, and uh, you know, we'll have more on this. I think it's a, I love the conversation, by the way. But we'll go to super chats now because we want to make sure we can get as many as possible. Smash the like button, subscribe to the channel, share the show with your friends. Go to timcast.com, become a member. We're gonna have a special members only segment up at 11 p.m. on the website. You don't want to miss it. Let's read more from you guys. We got tier 728 says the judge looked like a complete clown after the sentencing. He doubled down on his lies. The judge did. And proceeded to inflame racial tensions further. After years of court, wasted resources, five felonies, perjury on the stand, and hours uh, for hours, etc. You mean a Jussie looked like a complete clown after sentencing? The judge. Oh. It says the judge, but that's an, I don't think the judge was the one yelling. Hmm. It was Smollett. All right. I don't know, maybe this is a this is a pro Jussie tweet. It's a pro juicy yeah, maybe, uh, yeah. super chat. <laughs> Cristiano <laughs> says, "Kim, thanks for keeping it real over there at Rising. Ryan oh. and Robbie are cool and all, but you're the one bringing the fire." I do have to say, I think you were the perfect person for them to have uh, have hired for Rising. They haven't technically hired me. Yet. Oh well, then they're nuts. <laughs> they're crazy. But when I when I heard that they they were like they were having you come on yeah. to Rising, I was like, smartest decision they could have made. Oh, thank you. Yeah, Dude, Ryan's great. That guy's awesome. Yeah, your friends. He he seems real stable. Ryan. Yeah. Yeah. He's got a real like soothing presence. He's very cool. Yeah. Today, uh, you know, I just met him for the first time today. Oh, wow. Yeah, in person. Never met him, and he's real quiet. Raymond G. Stanley Jr. says, Kim, how do you feel about working with Savi? Suave. Suave. Oh. Good. I mean, I like, I love both of them. They're both great. I like Ryan and Robbie. We're all friends. All right. (laughs) (laughs) That's it. All right. I don't see them much. I'm in LA, you know, and they're here in DC. And so I, like I said, I've met Robbie one time when he came to LA, and I've, I just met Ryan for the first time today, so. W. Falcon says the trifecta, Tim, Kim, and Shim. 
Shimcast. I know she could have made it Kimcast, but she. Yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. Why did we do that? Alpha Freedom Fighter says, "Tim, today is my son's fifth birthday. Can you shout him out? Happy birthday, Lincoln Hennessy." Oh, oh cute. Well, all right. Nice. Good name. Sarah says, "Happy belated birthday." I hope this gets you a couple of nice extra well done steaks at your favorite and your favorite <laughs> bottle of ketchup. Yeah, I love it. I, I, you know, it's we call it the Trump. You know, you get it nice and seared and cooked all the way through. Nice Good and brown. Yeah, brown and tough. Yeah. We got to get some uh, ketchup. organic ketchup without the high fructose. I can't do the high fructose. It's gross. We should yeah. make our own. Oh, we should grow our own tomatoes and oh, make our own easily ketchup. Done. Yeah. All right, let's grab some more. Steven says, "Hey Tim, are you going to go see Sonic the Hedgehog two next month? You know it." I haven't seen the Batman yet. Maybe I should go see that. Oh, yeah. I hear it's good. I'm waiting for it to come out on HBO Max. Batman? It's long. It's three hours. Too much. Yeah, man. All right. They've raised the prices of movies so much. Well, how much Uh, are they now? Well, and now I think AMC, didn't they, which one announced that they're going to, did they announce that they're going to be doing it based on the popularity of the movie? Really? I don't like that. Yes, that's terrible. Just wait until it comes out at home. Everybody's got big stock numbers. It's just, it's fascinating how that's going to affect box office numbers too, because we were talking earlier about like economics and incentives and the more expensive the movie becomes, as it gets more popular, the fewer people are going to want to pay the money to go see it. Oh, maybe they'll, if they'll start off cheap, and then as the weeks, you want to go see it yeah. early before it starts getting expensive. You want to get popular. it on the film. <laughs> it's like an IPO. Dude, you're a scalper, and if you think the movie's going to be really popular, you buy up a bunch of tickets before yeah. it gets popular, oh, and then you start uh-oh. selling them outside the theater. It's like an IPO, though. You know, they're basically saying, like, you know, Resident Evil is going to be starting at 10 bucks because we don't think anyone's going to want to see it. Huh. And then people are like, eh, I'll do 10 bucks. I'll see it. And they go mm-hmm. see it. You know, I'll buy a thousand of those tickets. What I'm so, it's interesting though, because it'll even it out though. If every, I'm fascinated to see how that turns out, because if each film doesn't cost the same amount, people are going to make their decision to see a film based on the price, which is not something we've really seen before with major motion pictures. We'll see how it goes. Yeah. All right. Chris Blank Production says, who wants to place bets that Smollett will write a book about being innocent in prison after all of this? Well, if he's not going to prison, but Jill. If I did it. Yeah, if I did. <laughs> The true story. Yeah. You know, it'd be really funny if, like, Jesse really was innocent. It would be, I the, know. It would be the funniest oh, wow. thing ever. Dude, what a, what a great Twilight Zone episode that would be. What a twist. Oh, we should, we should make that. We should, we should just do it. Come universe. on. Like, who wants to produce Tim, crazy shows? Let's hire him. He's an actor. When he gets out of jail, he'll be like, look, you're probably never going to work again. We can give you one more opportunity. We can give yes. you one more opportunity to act on this for us. Let's We're going to tell your story. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my gosh. We offer to tell a story. If I did That'd be amazing. It. We, yeah. I, I was saying before, we should do the Jesse Smollett short, move, short film. You know? We can go to Chicago and we can film it. Go to the NBC. That would be amazing. You know, the building right there and... All right. Well, who, which one of you is going to be Jesse? Yeah. Oh no, we're going to hire. Yeah, we're going to hire Jesse. Oh, yeah. What? Hire Ian? Why me? I'll hire. I'll hire Jesse. Yeah. Ian, you're the actor. Yeah, that's, that's true. true yeah. Actually. All right. All right. All right. Kenny says Smollett should be charged for his uh, mail crime. That's true too. What was that? A letter was sent to the studio before this happened. You know, insulting him and calling him a slur or something. Mm. And I, I'm, it's been a while since I read it, but I'm pretty sure they said that he sent it to himself. I don't know if that's true though. But I think that's believable, isn't it? Yeah. And then when no one when no one believed it and took action, he escalated and was like, "Oh, okay, fine." Yeah. So, Jason says in some states you can request a firing squad as the means to carry a death sentence. Even the accused can request it. I thought I think in Utah you can request a firing squad. Yeah, firing squad. I think the death penalty is wrong. So you know, whatever. What would you guys pick if you had to pick hmm? firing squad? If I had to choose, yeah, I think firing squad. Quick. Would you really though? I guess so. I mean, if I had no drawn choice. and quartered, 
Oh, wow. Yeah, that's wild. Is that with the horses? (laughs) Yeah. What about like the It's quartered because they cut you into four pieces. Yeah, Yeah. it's great. What about carbon monoxide poisoning? Isn't that peaceful? In your sleep, yeah. I don't think they administer the death penalty that way, though. Why why don't they? Yeah, Yeah, that's really nice. It's very humane, you know? I think the death penalty is wrong and we should not have it anyway. Because, uh, you know, it's too late. You already said it. Media Matters is going to clip it. Tim, mm-hmm. thinks yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Tim thinks the death penalty should be just... administered by carbon monoxide. <laughs> well, I didn't say no. I honestly, I think I think we should be way more humane if we are if, there, if there's going to be a system doing it. I just think it's wrong. So anyway, let's read more of these super chats. Nathan Coxie says the four horsemen in Revelation first horse given crown and bow. Look at root words in Greek and Latin. They are Corona and toxin. Second horse causes war. Third horse brings famine, and the fourth uh, brings death to a third of the people. Second seal has been opened. I yeah, true shame is famine. I just, I am, I am extremely skeptical of any claim that we are living through Revelation. Yeah, but I will say that the translations check out the uh, Greek is mm. a poisoned bow, toxon, not toxin, toxon, T-O-X-O-N. And the Latin for crown, of course, obviously, is corona. Here, here's the point. Whether this is the end of the world, your world is going to end someday. Exactly. Everybody dies. Get yeah. right with God. Yeah, yeah, the whole end of the world thing is like a trope that throughout history, people are like, oh, b- yeah. the end is near. Oh, yeah, you know, come everybody on, hurts man. sometimes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Sometimes. Sometimes, yeah. Everybody cries. Yeah, sometimes. That's right. <laughs> I saw, I remember I was in, when I moved to LA the first time, there was a billboard and it was like the end of the world is coming. And it was like some guy had bought a bunch of billboards claiming the world was going to end in like 2011 or whatever. And then I remember like the world didn't end, you know? Right, so yeah. Like, I wonder what happened to all those people and their money. Yeah. Y two K is that like? Yeah. Oh my yeah. goodness, yeah, we're, <laughs> we're in for that a delay. Yeah. We're way overdue for Y two K. I think that means it's coming soon. Yes. Yeah, oh, yeah. yeah, the end is near. Uh, yeah. Oh no, I'm <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> Captain Forehead says, Dave Smith quote: If you want to know who America, who America's next enemy is, look at who we are funding right yes. now. Yes, love yep. that quote. Yeah, great quote. On point. Smart guy. That Dave. We need Smith to roll color. back the state. We're spying on all of our own citizens. That's right. It's our true. Yeah. yeah. Well, my favorite headline of all time is CIA armed rebels turn against FBI armed rebels. <laughs> Amazing. That's a real headline. That's oh, so sad. Incredible. Sandwich says Lava Bit was an encrypted email provider that chose to shut down instead of handing records over to authorities. Mm. Now that is admirable. Good for them. Absolutely. That's amazing. Is that, by the way, is that like how the CIA and FBI have their like friendly competition? Like that's their annual <laughs> softball game is they each arm a group of rebels yes. and send them to war with each other. It's like firemen versus cops. Alessio, Who picks the better rebels? Yeah. Exactly. Alessio Damonti says, Alex Jones just posted that Pentagon warns Putin may start a nuclear war on Rumble. I wonder if it will turn true like 90% of anything he says. Mm. I don't know if everything he says or yeah. that much turns out to be number. true. That's a very high number. Yeah. The right. reason why there's a, a bit about Alex Jones being right is that he often says things that seem seem crazy and then it turns out he's right. Mm-hmm. Yep. So, uh, you know, he, he predicted back in October a war in February. Right. And uh, he, he, he talked to me a bit about how he knew it. And he said in the full show, he explains exactly how he knows it. He has sources. There were certain high-level individuals making statements. And uh, people clipped it, but they didn't post the full explanation. So people are like, he was right again. It's like, well, listen to what he said. He had like sources and public sources, you know? I did want to say that the most hyperbolic things Trump said about the Biden administration have completely come true. Seven, eight, nine dollar gas. Yeah, it's totally happening. Lydia, remember when I told you this was a president who couldn't disappoint me? Yeah. Yeah. Is that correct? Along those lines. There you go. All right. (laughs) Nonpartisan media says, Tim, you need to red pill Ian that or start looking into his background and see if he's working for the deep state. Seems to be pushing establishment lines more than ever tonight. LOL. I'm controlled opposition, dude. Ian, are you a cop? 
No. You have to tell you me if you're a cop. Us, that's yeah. entrancement. That's yeah. entrapment, dude. <laughs> I'm trans- not lying right now. <laughs> no, come on. You know, Ian's not a wait, cop. Wait, wait, He's an alien. This yeah. is a lie. <laughs> this is a lie. What I'm saying right now this is, is a lie. lie. Yeah. <laughs> this sentence is a lie. All right. Seymour says, Trump on Nelk or Mr. Beast on JRE? Um, Mr. Beast on JRE. I haven't listened to either of them, though. Yeah. But I think with Trump on Nelk, you know, at this point, I don't know if Trump's going to reveal anything. We don't already know. You know, I, honestly, because he's, he just says things and he goes, he does all, he, he talks a lot and he posts a lot. But I think the important things you'd want to hear from Trump right now about the future, he's, he obviously isn't going to be talking about for obvious reasons. Mr. Beast on JRE, I'm interested to see that, you know, uh, interesting guy. It was, I but saw a little good. bit they're of both it. really good. So I don't, I don't, I don't know why you'd, you'd put, they're, they're very different. One's political and one's not. I like Mr. Beast. I never knew much about him. And then I'm like, oh, some young upstart. And now he's got like 77 million subscribers. Yeah. I'm like, this guy's so kind. Million. It was some huge number like that. Yeah. It he just gives money to people. Yeah. Yep. That's amazing. Makes money and then gives people it back. Like that. Yep. He's getting really rich cool. off giving money away. That's kind of cool. All right. Let's grab some more. Let's see. 91.6 million subscribers. Jeez. Number one on YouTube. Woody says the retroactive crime comment made me comment. How can we fight back against the ATF? Recently, changes were made to Form 1 suppressors. I bought a solvent trap to make one legally. Now they're considered unregistered suppressors, meaning I would be a felon. This is wrong. Wow. Yep. That's what Ian was saying. Remember, you were like, the dictator could just change the law? Yeah, I don't like that. Yep. Abolish the ATF. Not cool. Gotta abolish the ATF. Biden's been talking about doing some executive order for... I'm really tired of these executive orders, by the way. What, What went wrong? Is this George Bush started abusing it and then... Ever since, do you remember Kim? I feel like he did start, uh, but the, it's just escalated. Each presidency has used more and more and more. Yeah, but I'm true. not 100% certain on who, if it was Bush or Obama. Obama went hard on he executive did. orders. Yeah. It might have been Obama because he was so opposed. You know, they, they who was it, McConnell that said, "I'm going to do everything I can to stop every single thing that he, this guy tries to do." I remember Bush using the war on terror as an excuse to do all sorts of extra congressional action. It was really disturbing. Yeah, that's what I remember. And like, it's, it's a trend. It's gotta be curbed. So this, now granted, my source here is CNN. So like, let's be really careful with this. But apparently, um, Eisenhower had far more, uh, in terms of like executive orders than did Bush, Obama, or Trump. It it seems as if it was actually decreasing for a number of years and then went up with Trump. But this is CNN, all right? So let's be careful. Check Wikipedia. Yeah, 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 honestly. (laughs) Shinobi Strongside says, please have Ian look up Jacques Fresco and his Larry King interview. Yeah, he did, um, Jacques was, uh, building this like utopian world. Did you guys ever? So, yeah, the circular cyber cities or whatever. Yeah, and it was without money. I think that's why he brought that up. Mm. Interesting. I know he did a Larry King interview, though. Thanks. Yeah, check it out. But that was like a, the Zeitgeist movement talked a lot about Jacques Fresco. Yeah, and when I watched Jacques in the uh, 2006 and five, I thought he was a crackpot. It was too early in my life to really appreciate what he was doing. I thought, this guy's got a dream that's never going to happen. Womp womp. It was really sad. And now I'm like, I should have given that guy more more credence and kind of supported him, I think. This is fast. By the way, I'm looking through a bunch of different charts from different sources, so we're not stuck with the CNN. And they, <laughs> a lot of them measure it differently, but uh, most of them seem to have executive orders peak, unsurprisingly, with FDR. Interesting. Wartime stuff. Right. Yeah. That would make some sense, yeah. I suppose. Martin Buckley says, does Kim get attacked for her segments by colleagues? She's like Tucker having a platform on CNN. Yeah. I would say it's like Tucker having a platform on Fox News. Have you listened to Hannity? Yeah, they're mm. not. 
I mean, yeah, yeah, but agree. you run against the grain at hell. I would. I mean, uh, you know, I don't know. Sure. I mean, I don't know if there's like really a grain, but I mean, I, I would say that whatever anybody's any beef that we have about my segments, you see on air. So mm. <laughs> there yeah, have been some. That's cool. Yeah, but nothing off air. Nice. All right. Zerosifer says for Ian, can I build a good table for you? A hundred bucks. I know a guy that makes amazing tables that are like works of art and sells them for 25k. How can you say he needs to sell for what I do? Or how can you quantify his skill? The market has to decide. Uh, yeah, you can give me a table. Was that the question? I think he was like making a hypothetical. <laughs> um, give me the table, dude. <laughs> I, I didn't really get the question. It was, it, I got kind of confused with the amount of words in that thing. So I sorry. I think he's asking, he says that the value of his friend's skill is such that he's able to sell a product that's worth $25,000. Mm-hmm. Whereas a, if he were to make you a table, it would be worth $100. Well, it depends right. on yeah. if I need a table or not. Well, it depends on the value of what he, of the work, right? Of the worksmanship. Yeah, I mean, right. what if you put stuff on your table and it falls down? Exactly. Look at this table. Yeah. It's a great table. This table is expensive. Expensive table. Yeah. Nice Supply table. and demand. I think that people think just because they're good at something, they deserve money for it is a big problem. Because if there's no demand for what? your work, then Why you're not going to... Why would they gonna, not? This guy's never no dem- watched The Dark Knight. If there's no demand for your labor, then you're not going to get paid, yeah, even if you're the best the on earth at it. Yeah. What? People that do things and they just assume they're, 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 they're owed something for it. If there's no oh, okay, demand for your labor, that's yeah, then yeah, that's, that, that whole that money economy thing where like, I'm going to go sit in a room and stare at a wall for an hour and get paid nine I'm good bucks. good at that. Yeah. <laughs> Come on. I like the line in The Dark Knight. Great movie full of good quotes when Joker's like, it's simple. We kill the Batman. And they're like, if it's so simple, why haven't you done it? And he's like, my mom always said, if you're good at something, don't do it for free. That's right. That was so good. Love it. I love the, the I'm going to make this pencil disappear. What oh, a gosh. great, great movie. There's a lot of plot holes in it. Like it's kind of dejected as a film, but it's one of my favorite films. You know, weird jumping points, like whatever. I need to watch that movie. But, oh man, I got to tell you, one of the best lines that seriously, the writing for the Joker in the Dark Knight, when he's talking to Harvey Dent, wow. You know that scene where he's in the hospital? I took a little plan and I turned it on itself when he's got And he's like, if I were to tell the media that like a gangbanger will get shot or a truckload of soldiers will be blown up, well, nobody cares. But when I say one little old mayor will die, well, then everyone loses their minds. Mm -hmm. Amazing. Is that Jared Leto? No. No. No, no, no. Heath no. Ledger. Heath Ledger. Heath Ledger. Oh, yeah. But it was great writing. And you're going to get in trouble for that one. I don't watch cartoons. But it was, it was writing to me. Hero because, movies. Like, it, was, it was good writing for me, especially because of the war comment. Like, that if you go to the media and say a truckload of soldiers will be blown up, no one cares. And it is disgusting. It is, it is messed up that society just like mm-hmm. steamrolls over this stuff. That Obama actually killed a 16-year-old American citizen without charge or trial. And there was never any tribunal. Nope. There was no criminal charges. Nope. Imagine that you could be the president and just kill Americans. Like, look, first of all, he was killing children. It's bad enough. You want to make an argument about war? Sure. But bombing a civilian restaurant and killing an American kid? And there was nothing. Nothing. That's messed up. And then I love it when people are like, Obama was great. Didn't, didn't Joe, yeah. Joe Rogan recently well, call him like the greatest president or whatever? Well, it's, yeah, I wouldn't be so. shocked. That's very sad. Speaking of really horrific things that go on in the world that people don't really pay attention to and aren't bothered by, I mentioned earlier, we just did a video for Freedom Tunes on Yemen yeah. and the fact that the U.S. has been aiding the Saudis in carrying out a genocide where 
An estimated 85,000 children under the age of five have starved to death because of the blockades that our government has been supporting. It's really disgusting, horrible stuff, but it's part of the plan. I have, a, I have a correction. Joe did not say he was the greatest president. He said Michelle Obama. She's intelligent, articulate. She's the wife of the best president that we have had in our lifetime. What? In terms of like a representative of intelligent, articulate people, she could win. Okay, okay so that's context. very, that's very – Limited relative to saying you just like the best president. Yemen is where Obama bombed uh, Alaki's Anwar Alaki's son. Is that what it is? Abdul Rahman Alaki. Just say his name. You don't need to say someone's son. Yeah, I didn't know his name. Sins of the father. I don't care. Abdul Rahman. Abdul Rahman, and that was in Yemen. So this Yemen stuff. He was uh, born. I think he was born in Boulder. Was living in San Diego. He went to visit family in Yemen. And he was sitting with his dad in the restaurant. Is that what it is? No, was in the building next door. He was not with his dad. His dad, I believe, was already dead. Wow. Mm. Because Obama also killed Anwar al-Awlaki, who and was an American citizen without charge. Obama, I think, he, did he state that he did it just to get at the guy's family? No, his response was, whoopsie. I I think I was listening to Drinking Bros, and they were saying that when someone, when a civilian gets hit, it's never an issue of precision. It's an issue of intelligence. So when they hit someone, it's because that's who they intended to hit. They just might have been wrong about what they did. Which is right. very stunning indictment of the Obama the, the The statement was that they were trying to target some other guy and they hit the wrong one. That's I don't not, think so. I no. think the statement was, if you're a terrorist, we'll kill your children. Did he say he should have had a better dad? That was, I think that was Charlie Gibbs to Luke Rakowski. Yeah. Luke was at wow. uh, a DNC, was it DNC? Yeah, it was like a, a debate in 20, 2012. And I don't know if it was Luke or, um, I can't remember who else with the Masera, maybe. But uh, someone asked... You know, what do you have to say? Obama killed a 16-year-old. And the guy was like, I think it was Charlie Gibbs. Well, he should have had a better dad. Mm. Or maybe that was Peter King. I'm not sure. Extrajudicial assassinations. Bad news, dude. This Patriot Act thing's got to go. So, And you want to talk about the Constitution. That was 10 years ago that huh. Luke was interviewing people about this stuff. Barack Obama killed American citizens without charge or trial, and he's never been held accountable for it. Now, you can argue about Trump all day and night. You want to bring me the indictments against Trump? I'll read them. How about, you know, you do that, then great. Then we come back and then, uh, we talk about Obama too. Yeah, we got Luke in chat. Woo. Did, uh, did Luke mention, I see that, I see your, your, your latest chat, Luke, but I don't see your past one. He just says, he said he should have had a better father. Mm, yeah. Sins of the father, man, kill a kid. I, I, this is just so disgusting, man. So disgusting. Yeah. All right. Vosh says, you're wrong, Tim. Read the fountainhead. I started to read Atlas Shrugged and then I just watched the movie. That's even worse, too. It is, absolutely. <laughs> That's terrible. But then what happened was I got I got about 40 minutes into the movie, and then I decided just to play Bioshock instead. <laughs> Bioshock's awesome. You're going to get Ayn Rand's philosophy either way. That's right. Atlas is the bad guy in Bioshock. You actually fight Atlas. But it's not like from the book Atlas. Bioshock's so cool. What a great game, dude. Would you kindly? That's so, so good. You guys know what I'm talking about. All right. Jace McNeil says, I could have paid 20K to go and learn to use heavy equipment. I instead found a company who has been happy to train me and I get paid for it. Cool. One of my favorite That's stories awesome. is that back in my uh, old neighborhood, there was a dude who, uh, he applied for a job at a warehouse as a, like a, a, a forklift operator because it paid like six figures, but he was a high school dropout or something. And then when he got there, they were like, all right, so you're going to be using, you know, the, this reg. And he went, oh, well, I've never used that one before. And they're like, yeah, it's fine. We'll train you. Got a six-figure job just like that. That's awesome. It's funny, isn't it? It's cool. They'll also train you if you need like a security clearance and you go into a job where it's required. They can help you get that too. So Count Drago fun. says they removed Nelk Boys and Trump podcast six million in twenty-four hours. Yep. So let me get this straight: if we do a podcast with Trump and I just argue with them, we're good. 
as long as you sit there and say, no, that is not accurate. This is what's real. Exactly. But you I, have to say I, that over and over. Tim, you can't be like, no, you're much more competent and handsome than you're saying. <laughs> <laughs> we had Bannon here and he made similar statements and I argued with him. I told him he was wrong. And I was like, like now we have to get into it because you said it and I'm going to tell you. But I, I genuinely do think Trump is wrong. I think like when I hear the fraud narrative, the rigged election stuff, I'm just like, whatever you believe, you are discouraging people from getting out and getting in these primaries. And I don't know why you're doing it. You know, but I, but I genuinely think this is a weakness of Trump supporters where instead of believing they were beat by, as Time Magazine called it, the shadow campaign through mass mail and voting, through just ground game, getting out there and advocating, going to, you know, going to old folks homes and here are your mail in ballots. They all came in the mail. Make sure everybody fills them out. They're just like, nah, it had to be rigged. It's the only way Trump could have lost. And I'm like, or they took away sports. They took away movies. They took took away going out with your family. They beat you over the head nonstop in the media. And then they mailed you a ballot and say, you want things to go back to normal? There it is. And people went, okay. That's what I think happened. Anyway. All right. Let's see what we got here. Let's get some more. Weird Times says, 25% of Americans attend college. They're the highest paid people on earth. Why does Kim think the 75% of those... Why does Kim Maybe think what? the 75% of those who did attend college? What is it? I'm, I'm, Maybe what and didn't is what they meant to put in there. Like, what does she think of the 75% oh, who know. didn't attend college? Yeah. Well, I, I, I can't really speculate. So there we go. <laughs> Bro, uh, let's say Brop says, I joined the military at 18, got out and worked for two years, then went to a local community college and got a degree in commuter, uh, computer-aided drafting. I have an amazing career now, trade school for the win. Nice. Well, although, is that trade school if you go to community college? I don't know. I don't know. I'm going to look that know. up. I'm curious, too. Not the Bomb says, third super chat ever. Never been read. To Tim's point, I work on semis. I went to school for two years for a piece of 18,000, uh, for a piece of 18,000 paper. I have learned more working than ever in class. 18K feels wasted. According to Brave, community college is not trade school. Mm. They're different. They can get you ready for it, I think. I don't know. A Book of Cloud says, From Chicken City, we salute you, O great and powerful chicken overlord Tim. That's right. Chicken City. <laughs> We've got over 7,000 subs on Chicken City. Oh, wow. That's yeah. fast. Fast-growing show. When did you start this one? This, this week. I don't wow. know. This weekend, yeah. yeah this weekend. Well, they are entertaining. <laughs> oh, it's great. The drama. <laughs> there the is drama. some drama in there. I was watching. I was watching, and, you know, they're calm for a little while, and then somebody does something to somebody, and there's a yeah. squabble, mm-hmm. right? And it's like they're all fighting, chicken yep. fighting. Pecking order. <laughs> yeah. Pecking order, man. We have a, a night vision of all the chickens That's sleeping. Right. That's right. There chicken City. Chicken City has night vision, though. Yeah, yeah. they're all sleeping uh, in their little... So oh, my cute. gosh. They are. In their coop backwards. Adorable. They're not Butts. supposed to be sleeping up there. We built them fancy chicken houses. <laughs> <They're> <laughs> That's awesome. But they chose to go there instead because they are not smart and they don't know <laughs> that they have nicer spots to go. Well, what we, what, we, what we were supposed to do is actually put them in the chicken house every night and, like, close it until they learn... That they That's actually they have a proper chicken nesting thing we built that goes wow. really high. But they're chickens, so, <laughs> you know. Dude, shout out to Orion Galaxy and Ham Sandwich in the Chicken City chat. Woohoo. That's right. Go subscribe to Chicken City. All right. We'll just get this one more. Cornelius Buttknuckle says, Tim is right. Most degrees are pointless. I've recently used the knowledge I've picked up as a machinist of 10 years to design and make a jet engine that burns used isopropyl to propel a Pontiac Bonneville up to 50 miles an hour. Never went to college for machining or engineering. That sounds amazing. Cool. But are you getting a job to do that? 
You know, like, yeah, you could build one in your garage and stuff, but are you actually going to be employed by a company that is going to ask you to actually engineer that and put that into a piece of machinery that somebody's going to risk their life well, driving it? Uh, well, if you're looking for a job about, you know, making an alcohol-powered Bonneville, you're probably going to get hired more like Mythbusters or like a sci-fi special effects or industry. You know, I don't think he's going to go work for Pontiac. Yeah. Well, but also I think just the skills he developed as a mechanic might help him in other careers he might pursue related to automobiles. Sure, Not yeah. necessarily that he is going to be doing that exact thing for a living. All right, my friends, if you haven't already, smash the like button, subscribe to this channel, share the show with your friends if you really do like it because it, it's the most powerful thing you can do. We, we're not going to put up billboards or anything. Or I don't know. Maybe we should. You know, just do what CNN does and put billboards everywhere, I guess. But uh, also, search for Chicken City on YouTube and subscribe, and you can watch chickens. You can. But guess what? Periodically, I yell and scream outside the window, and it's you'll true. hear me yelling at chickens. I heard you yelling earlier at the chickens. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I've done them several times. That's funny. And then you're like, when I yell at Roberto, and then I watch the stream, and I see him like, that perks up <laughs> like, what? Who's yelling? So uh, check out Chicken City. In order to get it. So here's, here's our plan. We're going to make it so that if you super chat a certain amount or super chats, a certain amount of super chat is reached, treats come down. Oh, yeah. In order to get there, we need to be monetized. Unless we use Streamlabs, which maybe we'll do because it's probably got a better API anyway. And then, or, so the issue there is for some reason, I guess live streams don't count toward public viewer hours. So it's hard to get monetized. We'll figure it out. But also go to TimCast.com, be a member. We're going to have that member segment coming up for you at 11. You can follow the show at TimCast IRL. You can follow me at TimCast. Do you want to shout anything out, Kim? Shout out, hey. <laughs> What's your Twitter handle? What's your YouTube channel? Oh, gosh. Um, you can find me on Twitter at Kim Iverson Show or YouTube. Just go to KimIversonShow.com and you'll find it. And that's said with an E. S-E-N. Or O. If you spell oh. it either way, I have all of the... Very smart. Yeah, oh, nice. that, that way you can't get confused. Nice. Yeah. Yeah, you can find my work at Freedom Tunes. We release a new educational cartoon or piece of political satire every single week on Thursdays, sometimes one on Tuesdays. So we actually released two videos this week. The one on Tuesday was satirical. The one we released today was educational. I think you guys will really enjoy it if you go there and check it out. Uh, Ian Crossland, iancrossland.net. I mentioned at the beginning of the show, but I'll say it again. We're looking for an open source uh, UX, UI designer. If you want to get in touch with me on Twitter or on Minds, just message me and let me know. We're working with our charity that we're starting up, uh, building decentralized social media software. If you're not familiar with it, I'll tell you more about it later. See you later. Cool beans. As far as Chicken City is concerned, someone earlier today tweeted me a picture of their cat watching Chicken City oh. Rapley. I thought that was adorable. <laughs> if it's nothing but a cat watching channel, I think that's fantastic. So let's get it going. Go over there and subscribe. Cool stuff going on over there. You guys may follow me on Twitter and at minds.com at Sarah Patchlitz. That's right. I'm just watching Chicken City. I was gonna say. <laughs> it's it's engrossing. I'm afraid and, uh, if they're going to do the feeding <laughs> thing that they're going to get really fat. No, it'll, yeah. it'll only be able to operate like five times per day. Okay. So it'll be a limited amount of treats. Yeah. yeah, and we have a lot of chickens. We're we're about to we're about to have uh, fifty six more babies. Oh my gosh! So we're not all we're not going to put them all in. We might actually just give the, some of the babies away to people who might want them. So we'll maybe for like a members only chicken thing. Raffle. Yeah, like if you're a member, you can like sign up. Like I would like a baby chick, and then we'll like put it in a little box with yeah. you know that one. This one chicken's sleeping standing up. Yeah, that's Roberto Jr. Yeah. Wow, he's a beast. That's right. <laughs> all right, everybody. We will see you all over at timcast.com around eleven p.m. Thanks for hanging out. Bye.